Anyways, does anyone talk about her last name is Earhart? <laughs> I love the air. Oh my god. It's like if I was like a fucking marine biologist and my last name was like Sea Love. Sea Love. Oh yeah, well, my last name is Fuckspace. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of We Explain Movies. I'm Kimmy. I'm Kayleen. And I'm Courtney. And this is the podcast where three best friends submerge you in a cesspool of spoilers as we explain, rate slash review, and decide whether or not to see the latest and greatest or most beloved classics of film. Since this is a cesspool for spoilers, this week Kimmy and I will be spoiling the entirety of the 1994 film The Crow. If you haven't seen it and you don't want it spoiled, tune out and tune back in once you have. For other spoiler timestamps, you can check out our Instagram and Twitter at We Explain Movies. This is how it goes. We're going to start with our watch list items that we've done this past week. We're going to move on to movie-related questions, then followed by the explanation, and we're going to close out with watch list item ads and recommendations. Alrighty, so let's talk about what we watched this past week. Yeah, and a fun little addition to Kayleen's shout-out about our social media and what we watched this week, we now have a letterboxed. So for all you film fans, it's a great website. It's it's perfect for logging things, creating lists, and rating. Um, so we're just on there at We Explain Movies, and we've got our own list of everything that we have reviewed with our ratings put awesome. in there. So uh, just a little shout out to Letterboxd, because that's what I'm going to be using today to talk about what I watched. Oh, I love exciting. it. That's exciting. It's such a good oh, website. That is good. I always forget. Oh, about like what, about what you watched this week? Yeah. 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 It's a nice... Also, didn't you say that we can make lists on Letterboxd? We can. So like... Kimmy could add what she's watched on her list or something. This, she can, yes. Yeah. yeah. This podcast is not sponsored by Letterboxd. It's not <laughs> sponsored by Letterboxd, but like... It could be. But we should be. Alrighty, uh, who wants to go first? I'll go first. I watched a moderate amount. I finished Thoroughbreds because I was showing it to Riley. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. Again, like, I never expect her to be over the moon about movies, but I think she liked it, and I, I love cool. Thoroughbreds, so that was fun to watch again. Good job, Riley. Yeah. <laughs> I finished, and I'm a little sad because I don't think Kimmy's finished it, so I can't say certain things, but I finished Sunshine Cleaning. Oh, you did? Oh, yeah. I didn't finish That's it That's okay. Yet. I'll finish it with you. We only had 40 minutes left, yeah. and that last bit that we didn't watch has so, much, so much stuff yeah, like, that I can't it. talk about. Oh, great. <laughs> um, but there was, okay. there was a lot of emotional stuff, mm-hmm. and both Amy and Emily have really good parts, and... The train with Emily. The train. And, and the two of them in the bathroom. Yeah. And Amy talking to the That's guy my favorite at the part store. Of the movie. Yeah. And I was like <laughs> a little bummed I was watching it by myself. Aww. But I really wanted to finish it. But it was really good and I really enjoyed it. Um, Riley and I also watched Rat Race the whole thing. <laughs> That's her favorite movie, isn't it? <laughs> she loves it. Have <laughs> you seen it before? Yeah, I've seen oh, it. Oh, that movie's so funny. Yeah, no, it was really it. it was really weird to watch now because like, I remember a lot of things, but I was like, this is a wacky movie. It's so Who wacky. made this? <laughs> it's so of its time, too. It's mm. not... It's Like, Who Let the Dogs Out plays? Yeah! <laughs> that says that Smash Mouth. That and says like, it all. their car chase scene is, like, really old-looking. Mm. The the quality on the graphics is like, yee. <laughs> oh, like, especially when the, the cow is up in the air and stuff. Yeah! yeah I would have bet, It looks yeah. so ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted to talk the most, though, and this is the last one on my list, um, besides The Crow, of course, mm. 
But the last one that I wanted to talk about the most is I saw John Wick 3. Mm. And, I mean, we'll spoiler timestamp this, but I'm going to talk a lot about it and spoil it. So if you haven't seen it, get out of here. It's mostly just because I want to spoil the really fun action stuff. And I think it's more fun if you don't know it's coming when it's happening. Um, So John Wick 1 I watched with Courtney, and we've talked about that on here. But Mm. I really liked it. It's really clever. And as I think we had talked about... The first one is really cool because it sets up this, in a way, like, you don't really think of it this way, but it really, it sets up a fantastical universe of, there's, like, this whole underground society of these assassins, and they all have these crazy set of rules and connections, so, like, the assassins have, like, their body cleanup service, and their... Oh, I forgot about that, yeah. And they have their doctor, and they have their hotels. They have everything that they would need for the, the work that they do, and mm-hmm. it's, like, a whole underground society, basically. And everybody knows everybody. There's, like, all these different laws. The first one sets that up really well, and, like we said, is also really aesthetic. The second one, like I said, has a pretty thin plot. It's just writing on the first one. It actually is rated higher than the first one on Rotten Tomatoes, which makes me mad because the second one is not as good, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And this movie just, it really knew what it was doing because, mm-hmm. you know, they've had two movies to establish this whole world and they just had the most creative that Like, they just went so extra. It was like, I know what we are, and we're just going to lean into that so heavily. So Mm. there was this one scene that was one of my favorites, where they're in this shop that's full of weapons and glass cases, most of them being knives, and there's like five guys that are trying to kill John Wick, and they're literally having like a snowball fight with knives. (laughs) So they just keep breaking the glass cases and throwing knives without even like aiming them, and it's so funny, and they keep getting like... (laughs) stabbed in different places like the arm and they're they're like not aiming at all it's so funny that sounds like a movie that knows what its genre is it no <laughs> it totally does and then um like i think the scene after that john wick goes because he's like i can't get a cab around here because everybody knows who i am and is trying to kill me so he goes to this place to get a horse but people are trying to kill him in the horse stables so he you better like, not say the horse gets stabbed. They don't. Okay. <laughs> but I think they knew that people would be upset. So no horses get killed, but he fucking uses the horses as a weapon. So, like, he, like, <laughs> he, like, hits the back of the horse and the horse kicks this guy, like, through the fence. It's so funny. And then he, like, rides away on a horse and then guys on motorcycles are, like, chasing him while he's on the horse. It's so funny. <laughs> Ridiculous. <laughs> and, the, like, as soon as John Wick rides into the distance on the horse, Dakota was like, all right, this movie knows what's going on. <laughs> it was like, yes, we will do the craziest things because we know you want it. That's fun, though. Um, and then it just, like, got to the point where it was, again, like, poking fun at itself a whole lot because it, it knows what the people want. So they kept having these fun moments of he would fight someone and... If they didn't die, they would say, like, oh my gosh, John Wick, I'm such a big fan. I can't believe I'm fighting you. Stuff like that. <laughs> and, uh, and then, like, at the very end, like, the not the big bad, but, like, kind of the strongest of the people trying to kill him, um, he finally kills him. Not John Wick. John Wick kills that guy who was trying to kill him. Yeah. And he's sitting there with, like, a sword through his stomach, and he's, like, coughing up blood. He's gonna die. And he's like, I did pretty good, didn't I? <laughs> And John Wick's like, 
Yeah, and then they just, like, have a conversation while he's got a knife it or a sword through his chest, Aww. but it's really funny. And then there's just, again, really cool aesthetic stuff that they do on purpose. Mm-hmm. Like, they made this really cool room with all these glass cases that just keep getting broken to look cool, and there's, like, these different levels, and they kind of intertwine, and you can't tell, like, what level each person is on. Oh. And there's a part where all the lights go out in the building, like, the, he turns off the power so they have an advantage, but then, like, the backup lights come on, and it's just this green strip around the whole hotel that's, like, a glowing green strip. For an action movie to have such high-quality production design, that's really... It's really That's what cool. separates you from the rest. Yeah. yeah. And then... I don't know if you guys are going to think this is cool or not, but I thought it was really cool because it's a title drop. You know how they speak in different languages? In, oh, is it in... called like Parabellum? Yes. They speak in different languages in the John Wick movies. And I tried to find out what language it was because I thought they, sp- I think they speak Russian a lot, but I think yeah. that this phrase is Latin, so I'm not exactly sure what language they're speaking at the time. But um, the guy who like kind of ends up, the guy who excommunicated John Wick kind of ends up like helping him in the end. And, um, he says, if you want peace, prepare for war. That's the phrase he says. Mm -hmm. But in Latin, it's like something, 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 parabellum. So Mm. parabellum means prepare for war. And I was like, oh, that was really cool. (laughs) And because if you're not really listening to what he said, you won't even catch it because, you know, you're like reading it. So you're not really thinking about what he's saying. But I was like, oh my God, he just said parabellum. Oh, so he was saying it. He was saying the phrase. You were reading it. I was reading it. So parabellum means prepare for war. And Mm -hmm. I was like, that's very cool. Anyway, loved that one. Dakota and I decided it was our favorite John Wick movie. That's good. It's really fun. Because he can do all the stunts. Yeah. Keanu Reeves. Mm -hmm. Like he does, like he shoots guns. He does martial arts, doesn't he? Mm -hmm. He's a badass. If you can utilize those skills, like. Do it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if you're a timeless vampire and you have <laughs> If you've been learning it for thousands of years, then yeah. why not use your skills? Yeah. So, really liked it. Strong recommendation for that movie. Kimmy, do you want to go next? Because you only watched one thing with me. Yeah, I didn't watch anything. <laughs> and I'm mad at myself because I want to watch movies. I want to do it. I want to watch them. It's hard. It is hard. Yeah. And like I said, like, I think I said this a couple weeks ago, but like, I want to provide a certain amount of investment that I don't really, like, give to TV shows. I'm like, load me up, you know, just give me the TV show. They'll just, like, get through them. And with movies, it's like, Mm. not that it's, like, a more... Of an event or an endeavor? Like, yeah, it's, like, a a large creation, and it Mm -hmm. took a lot to create it more than a TV show. I'm not really saying that, but it's just... I don't know. I feel like it is an endeavor, and I want to be alert for it. You know what I mean? I also start to get the feeling, like, especially if you don't know exactly what you want to watch, where it's like... I never do. I don't want to choose something I'm going to spend two hours on if it's not what I really want, whereas even an hour-long show seems more passable or digestible, where it's like... Yeah. I I don't know. I have a funny story about that. Oh, what? (laughs) Just deciding what you wanted to watch and stuff. Because I've, I've gone so hard at the library. I have so many DVDs from them. Mm, just yeah. that the stack is enormous at this point. And I've been consistently watching things all week. And I didn't know what to watch. And so I put the Black Dahlia in. Oh. Um, and <laughs> just the DVD menu. I, I made it that far. And I went, I don't want to watch this. <laughs> and I, I ejected it. That's funny. <laughs> You're like, yeah. not my vibe. But then I, the next thing I watched was amazing. And I'll oh, talk cool. about that after Kimmy goes. Yeah. So, yeah. And 
You know, I wish that I was like you, Courtney, where you just, I don't know. I feel like the culture by which you consume movies is unlike anyone I've ever met, you know? Because it's like, (laughs) none of this is a bad thing, but because it's like in excess almost. Mm. And I know that there's more people out there who are doing it way harder than you are, but it's like, I've, I've never, hardly ever, maybe I could probably like count on one hand movies that I've left the theater for. And because you consume them so much more heavily, you, you do that more often than I do it. And I know you said that you don't really do it that much. But I do it more than I, like, because I don't quit books. Yeah. If I'm reading a book, mm. I have to finish it. Yeah. I'm but I so will... much more easy to quit a book. Oh. Yeah. yeah so, but I'll leave the theater. Yeah. I don't do it that often. No, I don't. But I I just, when I heard you talk about that for the first time, like, kind of like when we first met, I was like, that's allowed? That's allowed? <laughs> <laughs> you can do that? Because I'll just sit, you know, and then I'll be like, I'll have, like, movie equivalent of buyer's remorse where I'm like, why did I waste oh. my time? No, I gave Aladdin through a friend like me and I was like, if that's a bad number, I'm leaving that theater. And it was so bad I left the theater. <laughs> but like, that's the kind of thing is like, I feel like an average movie goer wouldn't think Aladdin is bad enough to leave the theater. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, that's like, quite true. That's pretty... Yeah. <laughs> like, for me, that's really harsh. It's like, you gotta be number 43 for me to leave the theater. Oh, you know yeah. what else I find? The or, movies? like, I feel like I would have left the theater for Happy Time Murders, but I didn't give Happy that my time. time. Murders. The oh. fucking puppets movie. Oh. With Melissa McCarthy. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I find that the movies I want to watch the most are always, like really long or you renowned know? classics where you <laughs> yeah. where if, if you don't enjoy it you're like I can't turn it off I'm a <laughs> yeah. it's like yeah. I have to offer respect to this yeah. Yeah. the American Film Institute will come after me <laughs> they'll take my eyeballs away <laughs> like if you're like watching something on Netflix Netflix like sends a message like she didn't finish Casablanca <laughs> alert the police <laughs> In any case, I watched Interstellar this week yes, with yes. Courtney. But that's only at my suggestion. Yes. I texted her and I was like, when you get home, can we watch Interstellar? And she just replied, ooh. I did. Again, I, because you didn't say, here are ten movies, let's choose one. Yeah. You said, oh, we're God. watching this. I was like, this is the one I just got at the library. Sit down. Yeah. You guys know that clip in the notebook that people are using for I know what you're about, talking about. <laughs> about girls, girlfriends picking where oh. they want to go eat. Yeah. And she's like... He's like, Just what do you what want? Yeah. She's like, it's not that simple. Yeah. It's like, that's me, like, when I'm trying to get the movie to watch. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, Interstellar was great. I've seen it, like, four or five times. That like, was only my second time. Yeah. Mm. She said the only time she's uh, seen it elsewise was in the movie theater. Oh, that's mm-hmm. cool. That's I left awesome. the theater during it, too. What? <laughs> I mean, to be honest, I probably would have just because the first time I saw it, it was in theaters, and I... You guys know I hate space. Oh. <laughs> I, I hate space. I prefer ignorance, you know. And someone's like, by the way, Kimmy, did you know that everything that is happening in this movie is scientifically plausible? To a degree. Yeah. yeah there are some like, things we don't know. We don't know we what's in a black speculate. hole. You'll probably yeah. die. <laughs> I just, like, <laughs> I can't do it. Um, but my wife is in that movie. Yeah. And she is fantastic in it. And I was, when me and Courtney were watching it, I was like, wouldn't that be kind of so scary that the apocalypse, like, I feel like 
the commercial idea of the apocalypse is some kind of explosion and it's over mm. and that's the end of the world. Instead, dust fills your lungs and yeah. your living room. A yeah. slow, torturous death where it's like it's inevitable. Like. That That's just so ominous yeah. and terrifying. And it becomes part of the culture yeah. and people are like know how to pack up if there's a dust yeah, yeah, storm yeah. coming and shit like that. You have to eliminate one crop at a time from your diet. Yeah. So scary. You know what's scarier than that, though? Going space. into space. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know. I like space. Yeah. I, I'm, I, just because I know I'm never going there. <laughs> what I find, I feel like we've talked about this, and it's not a hot take or anything, but what I find fascinating is that we know more about the space, space and than the, ocean. the ocean. That's what I was telling Kimmy, you're watching Interstellar, and I went, I hate the ocean because it's right there. <laughs> Here, well, here's the thing. It's not like I just... It's So, again, we know more about space, and it's like, I can't just go, mm, I'm touching space. Like, I can go <laughs> touch the ocean, and it's like, I don't know anything about you. Every time I go in the ocean, seaweed wraps itself around my legs, <laughs> and it yanks me under. <laughs> One I'm day, dead. like, I don't know. the fucking, like, creature from the Black Lagoon will come out of the ocean, and people will go, that's not real, and we'll go, we don't know anything about the ocean. But I guess I don't feel that way, like... I, I get that we know more scientifically, like, about <laughs> space more than the ocean, even though it's just, like, right there, but the space is infinite, and the ocean isn't. Maybe the Mariana's Trench is, you don't know. Maybe the Mariana's Trench <laughs> leads to, like, a <laughs> black hole that leads to space. Isn't the Bermuda Triangle, like, the black hole of the ocean? True. <laughs> I don't know. Isn't, I don't know. Is the Bermuda Triangle... Um, anyways uh, it was a lovely movie it always makes me emotional of course and I really just like shouldn't say that anymore what (laughs) just like if I'm watching a movie I'm crying like let's be real I will say when the credits started I didn't look at her because I was like I don't want to see her emotional face right now I just wanted to like soak in that movie and she was like that was good and I was like yup (laughs) I love the soundtrack, that Hans Zimmer soundtrack. So so good. good. Yeah. It just sets the atmosphere up. That was a pun. I I know. It just sets (laughs) up the scene so perfectly. Like, you know, when when the notes are playing a certain way, it's because the character's figuring something out, Mm -hmm. or it's because impending doom is coming in the form of. 90 foot tall wave yeah more than 90 feet it's like 900 i don't know how tall that wave was i don't know but those exist in our world guys there are road waves in the ocean yeah yeah crazy oh well i had a great old time so i love that movie mm-hmm. cool okay so i watched a ton this week like Woo. a ton a ton a ton but i'm not going to talk about each one in depth because interstellar we just did i watched 28 days later Zombie oh, movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hadn't seen it before, actually. I've never I, seen it I had seen 28 Weeks Later. Mm-hmm. Um, what I did like about it is that it was about a zombie apocalypse where, guess who the real monsters are? The, the humans. people. Yeah. yeah, of course. Just like The Walking Dead. Just like The Walking Dead. And, I mean, it is, it is, it's a zombie movie. Yeah. And I, and I like my zombies fast. I was gonna say, this is like the first <laughs> fast one, I feel like. I think it was yeah. the first fast zombies, and I, I appreciate that. Then I watched Logan. Oh! Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. Uh, it was my second time seeing it, and it's just, I, I really see how they should have just ended the universe there. <laughs> they, <laughs> they, they, they did it, they did it, they ended it. Um, but you In know, a way they did, yes. In a way they did, and, you know, I was watching it, and it's it's a fine movie, and I was on board, and then that ending, I'm gonna spoil Logan, yeah. because... That little girl sang the lines at his grave, and she's reciting 
Like, the only thing that she she knows pop culture-wise, because Patrick Stewart and her were watching the movie Shane, and mm. Shane is about, like, a cowboy that has to leave, and she's reciting the, like, ending lines from Shane over Logan's grave. I just, oh my goodness, that mm. got me so hard, and it was... So good. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. That's nice. What I'm really excited to talk about... Does that movie make you cry? That made me cry, just yeah. that part. I couldn't believe that I was crying. I was watching her, and Aww. I was like, what? No, stop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what I'm really excited to talk about, though, is I finally got around to knocking something off of my watch list that I put on this podcast. I watched Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Duh. Oh, I know nothing guys, about it. Tell yeah, me all about it. Oh, it was so good. It's the Robert... Uh, Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, yeah. and Val Kilmer, uh, oh. directed by Shane Black. But essentially, this movie, I wish I had been able to talk about when we talked narration and when we talked mm. style. Oh, the style for this movie was incredible. It's Robert Downey Jr. narrating and pressing pause on the movie a lot to continue narrating and and poking fun at itself. And it felt like a parody that took itself seriously Uh, because it was really just leaning into the style of the noir genre. Mm -hmm. And I love noir. I think, you know, it's so fun when you're like in a sleazy jazz club and the music's like wah, 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 wah. (laughs) And somebody's wearing a fedora. <laughs> like that weird rogue episode of One Tree Hill. Like, oh. oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that episode. Ew. It really is rogue. It's like, can you get out of here? And it snuck up and Lucas was like, no, I directed it. And Julian was like, "Marsh." Yeah, Chad Michael Murray directed that episode. So and I was sitting there like, stop it. <laughs> um... So I like noir a lot, and this was just a modern-day take on that, but with all of the fun style elements and basically plot of a typical classic noir movie. That's cool. Um, Did you know this is what it was? See, I thought it was a murder mystery, and Mm. it actually, it it was a murder mystery, but basically Robert Downey Jr. is just this petty thief who, uh, as he's stealing something and runs away, he accidentally runs into an audition. What? And uh, he then starts, they, they hand him the script, and they're like, go. And he's, like, trying to hide from the cops, so he's acting, you know, very scared, yeah. and uh, they love it. It sounds very, very. <laughs> very, very indeed, yes. And so they fly him out to Hollywood to, to, to audition for this movie, because they love him so much. And while he's there, he goes to a party. He meets a girl from his past. Michelle Monaghan is, she's so cute. Like, I haven't seen her or anything when she was super young. Yeah. And basically the two of them get swept up into this uh, underground world of private investigation because her sister is killed and Robert Downey Jr. witnesses another murder and it's like the two of them are crossing paths and they keep referring back to this detective series that they loved as as kids it's called, like, Johnny Gossamer, oh. and it's, like, those old Pulp Fiction books, um, and the two of them are, like, talking about how, well, in this part of the Johnny Gossamer books, here's what would happen, and then that thing happens. Um, I loved it. It was such a fun, wild ride, and just, oh, it was cute to see him like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was, you know, a 2005 movie, so... Unfortunately, there was a lot of, like, rampant homophobia in it. Oh, no. Val <laughs> Kilmer plays a guy named Gay Perry, who is only called that so every five minutes we can get, like, a homophobic joke made I at his see. expense. Yeah. And that was that was a bummer. Yeah. <laughs> um, but otherwise, good movie, cool. I guess. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I, that's what I watched this week. So, our first question of the week is going to be, 
What is your favorite tortured soul character in a movie? Love this it. is a little bit open-ended, but I think everyone knows what we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so I, I earlier before the podcast started, I called dibs on going first because I'm antsy like that. <laughs> so Kayleen is going first. And she's going to get a can of Fresca thrown right in her face <laughs> if she steals my answer. Okay, I don't think you're going to. So my honorable mention I'm excited about because it's more funny my than it is. counting so fast. <laughs> it's, you guys didn't pick my honorable mention. I know I didn't. You guys think yours is really funny and mine's like, I don't know. Okay, my honorable mention is Footloose. Ew. Because Kevin Bacon in that movie is so angsty, and he, even though he doesn't have, like, nothing like... <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, it's a good answer. <laughs> I gotta um, dance this out. <laughs> because even though it's not like he hasn't experienced, like, a crazy tragedy, it's like, I just want to dance! <laughs> and he's like, I gotta smoke this cigarette. I gotta throw my beer, and I just gotta dance it out. Wow. <laughs> so, honorable mention. My real answer, though, I think you'll both agree with, is Wes Bentley's character in American Beauty. Oh, that's a great choice. Mm-hmm. First of all, it doesn't hurt that it's Wes Bentley, because he's so easy to love, and he, in this movie... He's just, like, aesthetically broody. Literally, high school Kayleen, like... That's the exact kind of man that I wanted. I was like, yes, somebody Same. beautiful, but who's tortured, so has lower standards. Oh my god, that's horrible. that's horrible. And I get to borrow their hoodies anytime I want. And he'll protect me, because all he cares about is me. <laughs> I would die for you. He's always just setting stuff on fire outside my window. I would kill your father for you. Oh my god. That's horrible. That's like the open of the movie. <laughs> He's oh, like, yeah. you hate him? Want me to kill him? She's like, yeah, kill him. <laughs> yeah. yeah, fuck him up. <laughs> um, but yeah, and Man, the scenes with his dad in that movie are so sad. And he's so good at portraying exactly what I think that, you know, lovable brooding character should be like. Definitely. I love him in that movie. Yeah. Who doesn't love a good outcast, right? Yeah. I go next. Oh, okay. <laughs> I promise you don't have mine, but... Okay, thank, thank you. Okay. <laughs> I think she was more worried about me. <laughs> okay, so for... My answer, I have one honorable mention, but it is two characters in the same movie, mm. and that is Kristen Wiig and Bill Hader in The Skeleton Twins. Oh, cute. Oh. Yeah, uh, beautiful movie about just the bonds of being a twin that uh, they're not especially close anymore, mm-hmm. but they, they come back to their childhood hometown um, when they're adults, and they're both just very, very tortured souls. Um, they're kind of lost in life. They're coping in really terrible ways, and the film actually opens with both of them across the country in separate places, but at the same time, both contemplating suicide. Um, and it's, it's, it's got a great message by the end of it, and it's, it's got wonderful themes, and I just, I I really love that movie. Um, and the two of them are just such good actors. Yeah. It's that thing we talked about, about comedians being able to do the drama because of the truth in it, and Mm -hmm. I think nobody does it better than the two of them, and their chemistry is phenomenal. So that's my that's answer awesome. for honorable mentions. My actual answer, and I'm so excited to finally get to talk about this, because I also kind of feel like it's in my mind right up there with The Crow, mm. which The Crow I haven't seen, but this I have seen countless times, and I love it so much. 
is Donnie Darko. Oh, uh, what a good pick. Yes. Donnie yeah. Darko, that was the that's, boyfriend I wanted in high school. That's so funny. <laughs> oh. They're similar boyfriends. Yes. <laughs> that's that pure tortured soul who thinks so deeply and asks all the real questions. And, I feel like it would uh, <laughs> no, literally like my dream was like I would meet someone and they would be like I fucking hate small talk. Like, what's your biggest fear? And I'd be like, I love you. <laughs> that I'm, I'm afraid I'm not capable of love. <laughs> They're like, love is just a chemical reaction in your brain. <laughs> You're like, and I'd be like, want to write poetry together? <laughs> For sure. Um, and just him and Gretchen's blossoming romance is so sweet and fun fact Kimmy and I dressed up as Donnie Darko and Gretchen Mm -hmm. for Halloween this past year we did yeah she looked so cool she was wearing the skeleton outfit and she made a sweatshirt that said Uh, they made me do it on the back yeah I wrote they made me do it like and I made the font correct and everything like how he has it yeah and then I was wearing her school uniform which which was actually very accurate yeah, yeah. Yes. I did not look fun and hip at the bar. <laughs> a long sleeve white button up okay. and a children's jumper. <laughs> you look just as hip as our man friend who dressed up like Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Yeah. <laughs> our male friend as Ruth was perfect. Yeah. Um. So Donnie Darko, that movie just has a special place in my heart. It's one of my top five favorite films. And another fun fact from my life is that one here for Christmas. Me and my two sisters all got a copy, and I think one of us even got, like, a second copy just from from friends giving it oh, to us. Funny. I think we told our grandma how much we liked it. One of us bought it for the other, um, so we all ended up with just all these copies of Donnie Darko, and that movie is so well thought out, mm-hmm. and it is so... It's just such a world. You, you you are in this time period. You are, like, in this countdown period of what's to come, yeah. and it's... It's so uh, scary. It's so scary, but it's so uh, funny. There's some really mm-hmm. funny parts, and I had the coolest, this is my third fun fact of my life, I guess, <laughs> I had the coolest teacher my senior year of high school. She put this in the curriculum. Ooh. She taught Donnie Darko, and we um, watched it, and she even had... Um, was this before or after you loved it? I had already seen it, and cool. I had already loved it, and so when she announced it, I was uh, I was an emo kid in you high school. You just kept screaming for an hour? I mean, I was so emo that I'd like, <laughs> sit there, and I'd be like, oh, fun, cool, but <laughs> that happened, and I was like, I went up to her, and I was like, what? And then when we watched it, everyone in the class was like, this doesn't make sense, and I was like, it's because you're stupid. And <laughs> also, that's part of it. It's for discussion. It's for discussion, yeah. and I have the book myself now, but there's a behind-the-scenes making of Donnie Darko where they have Grandma Death's time travel manual book type thing uh, where she explains the science behind time travel, and so that was how she made it part of the curriculum is we studied that and we read it and we were looking for different themes or literary terms and then discussing it and writing essays about Donnie Darko. I love that movie so much, and it's it just warms a good emo child's soul to watch every now and again. (laughs) Ugh, I was obsessed with him in high school. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Alright, Kimmy? Okay, I don't really have an honorable mention. I also think that mine is, like, not really the aesthetic of your guys' choices. But it's funny that you talked about Logan today because my answer is Wolverine. Oh. oh. I think he's an incredibly tortured and brooding soul. Kind of in a different way. Um, he uses humor a lot to cover his pain. Mm-hmm. But he's such a pained individual. And just all the... Uh, he carries an enormous amount of guilt for mm-hmm. all the hurt that he's committed yeah. and um 
everything that he's lost and still persevered on you know just because you do good things doesn't mean you're you know not upset about the things you've lost yeah no it's not like oh I saved the world like everything's great it's like no the woman that you were in love with like you had to kill her it's like that's yeah. really sad and um it's just I guess that's why Logan hits home so much for me when I watch it is because he finally gets to rest he finally mm-hmm. he's had such a burdened hardship filled life and when he's finally you know complete and I don't know it's and just, he didn't know if he would get to rest no he didn't it's like yeah. it's so be- because of how he is and he's lived for years and years and years uh, so that's my answer I guess yeah okay second question okay second question so this one is pretty simple it's what's your favorite revenge film and I can start nice. again if you want to keep going in the same order. Sure thing, just because I don't think you have mine. Okay. I have two honorable mentions. I'm just going to touch on them. The first one, obvious, John Wick. That's a great revenge film, especially nice. because technically it is just about a dog. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess a dog in a car. Um, and then my second honorable mention is Princess Bride. Is that either of yours? Oh, no, oh. not at all. Okay. No. I, I was like, that was the, so that was the only one. I was telling is Courtney. Is a revenge film? My name is Inigo Montoya. <laughs> 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 I gotcha. <laughs> um, but I was telling you guys in the car that uh, I was pretty mad because I thought of all three of these without looking anything up, but then I was like, maybe there's something better out there, so I was looking up revenge films, and two of these were on the list, but Prin- Princess Bride was not. I was like, uh-huh. how dare you steal my ideas, internet? <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, that's a great movie. I haven't seen it in a really long time. I love it, and it's it's just a classic. Mm-hmm. And then my actual pick, which, like, after I thought of it, I'm like, this is pretty basic. It's like the revenge film to start all revenge films. Oh, it's no, the... you're going to pick one. Really? Yeah. The Count of Monte Cristo? Oh, no, that's not what... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Kimmy hasn't seen that. I don't know what that is. <laughs> it's like, I mean, this is like an ancient story from, like, classic comics and stuff. So, yeah. like... I heard I feel like it's it's a... Classic literature. Yeah, yeah. My grandpa has these, like, he, like, put together all of the, like, they're called the classic comics, and they're, like, about famous literature, so I just, like, think of things in terms of that. Like, there's one for, um, what's it called? Crime and Punishment that I've read, and, like, he has, like, volumes and volumes of them in his house. But yes, it's a classic novel, Mm -hmm. and so I think that mine is probably older than yours, unless yours is, like, Shakespeare. Nope. Oh, okay. <laughs> but you've seen a movie of this? Of Count of Monte Cristo? Yeah. Yeah. It's a, like a pretty big movie. Guy Pierce is in it, and the guy, what's his name? Jim. I think it's Jim. He plays uh, Christ in Passion of the Christ. It's like Jim Cavalisi or something. Um, I watched it really recently per someone's recommendation, and I loved every second of it. Oh, oh there's awesome. also a young Henry Cavill in it. Do you guys care if I spoil it? I know, I know, the, I know the Count of Monte Cristo. Okay. Care. okay. <laughs> Um, but I, I didn't really know the story, like, I kind of, I knew it was about revenge, but that's really it, I never read the book or anything, Mm -hmm. and it's just, like, so epic from start to finish, he basically gets screwed over by his best friend, who, like, kind of his goal was to get him banished and killed, and then to steal his wife, and, um, basically the whole thing is that this guy is, like, spending... Every second of every day, he's like, I'm going to get revenge on that guy. And he succeeds. Like, he escapes prison. He meets these these people. And he I think he finds a treasure. I think that's how he gets wealthy, is he finds a treasure. 
Um, but he, so he's like got all this money and all these new friends that are helping him on his endeavors to get revenge. And now he's like this mysterious guy with all this money who shows up back where he's from and he's now a count. And he like shows up at all these parties and he's dressed nice and obviously it's like, this is like 20 years later too that he's getting revenge. And so he looks fabulous in his new clothes and everything (laughs) and he looks different and nobody, everyone thinks he's dead, right? Anyway, he shows up. Finds out that they had a kid together, his best friend and his uh, wife that thought he was dead. And then you find out, like, big twist of the movie is that it actually is his kid. And that she was pregnant before she got married to the the best friend. And that the only reason she got married to him is so that he would think it was his kid. Oh. And uh, then it's like there's this scene at the end where they're, like, fighting the, the best friend and the Count of Monte Cristo after they've, like... You know, he's said who he is and all that stuff. And then, like, basically the son has to choose which of his dads to kill. Because one's <laughs> your real dad who's good, and then one's your fake dad who's evil. He licks your face. He licks your face. <laughs> anyway, it's a dope movie, and the entire thing is just driven by this one revenge plot. Yeah. yeah. I went to his palace. What? In the movie. Oh, really? The palace that he has in the movie. Why? Just by happenstance. Oh, well, that's fun. <laughs> it's in Ireland. Oh. And... It's beautiful. <laughs> it oh. is a beautiful palace. Yeah, and the person I was there with, he was like, "Oh, this is where this is where they film." <laughs> yeah, I was like, "Why do you know that?" He was like, "This is where Baby Superman touched the stairs." <laughs> yeah. Okay, uh, I have two honorable mentions as well. I've talked enough about this film, but it's just, oh, it's just always going to be a, a number one. Nom, nom, nom. It's way up there. Mm, this revenge tastes nice. Oh my God. <laughs> Gone girl. Oh. <laughs> Guys, <laughs> am I really me if I'm not mentioning Gone Girl every couple weeks? <laughs> me and Celine actually like really remain all these questions. Like, how can we get Courtney to just say something that's not one of her regular favorites? <laughs> no, this isn't my answer. But Gone yeah, Girl, yeah. am I right? <laughs> the, I mean, yeah, preach. Oh, the yeah. artistry, the intricacy. <laughs> if you haven't seen the it, the fact that he deserved all these things. <laughs> if you haven't seen it, yeah, yeah, basic. If any man ever. Kisses you in a sugar storm, and then kisses a younger woman in a snowstorm the same exact way. I just ripped the top of my breast And she's so mad. I'm so mad at Nick Dunn. Um, anyways, Amy's a queen. Um, my second honorable mention, um, and I've only seen this once, but boy was it impactful. It's a movie called Blue Ruin, mm-hmm. and Daniel showed it to me, um, feel like I've seen that mentioned on, like, a video. It's, I, I feel like I actually have seen, maybe even Daniel sent me a video, like, a video essay about how this director does what he does so well, because he tells these stories that are about vengeance or about um, characters kind of getting themselves into situations that they don't deserve. So you all have seen, because we watched it together, the director's name, I'm probably going to pronounce it wrong, is Jeremy Solnier. Okay. Or Solnier. Um, he did Green Room. Oh, yes. And it's just those slow, torturous shots that you're watching uh, where something on screen is just, you don't want to be watching it. Yeah, I and really so, would like to not watch Anton Yelkin's hand get chopped up. <laughs> I mean, I guess. But um, <laughs> this one is about, um, I, I forget I forget what the inciting incident is, but a guy, I think, loses a family member or something and then goes on this, this vengeance plot and he there's very little dialogue 
and you you really see gore that is actual gore yeah. and it's it's actual injuries type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas you know John Wick, you get punched in the face ten times and he'll just he'll just yeah, whip, yeah, yeah. whip it off. Um, so Daniel showed this to me, and the entire time I was like squeezing a blanket, and I was like, "Make it stop! It's so scary!" <laughs> I totally just heard someone talk about this on like one of the many podcasts I've been listening to, and it's oh. like driving me nuts that I can't place it. But yeah, <laughs> it's I've good. Heard good thing. I would like to watch it again because I don't remember mm. it. I just remember the feeling that it yeah. gave me, and I know it was all about revenge. Um, and yeah, Daniel just really enjoyed that director, and this, mm-hmm. so we watched that and Green Room. Nice. And... <laughs> yeah. What a night. Anyways. My actual answer, and I was so excited when I thought of it, because I was like, yes, movie! And I, we haven't mentioned this so far on the podcast. Okay. It is a classic Courtney movie, um, but that movie is Nocturnal Animals. Oh, so good, because oh, it's, it's, oh, a revenge, it's two revenge two stories, stories wow, that's a good that you choice. don't realize is a revenge story. That's a great pick. Oh, that movie is about a story I'm, within a story. I don't know why, maybe we have talked about this and I forgot, but did you just like faint when you heard about that movie with your two favorite actors. (laughs) No, but I saw it three times. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah, right? Yeah. And what's sad is there wasn't enough of them on screen together. Yeah. Um, But what they did do on screen was, uh, this is Amy Adams and Jake Gyllenhaal, by the way. Welcome to Courtney. Um, (laughs) So... The fact that it's it's uh, a story within a story because Jake Gyllenhaal's character is a writer who wrote this, his first fiction book to be published, and he sends it to his ex-wife, Amy Adams. The story within this novel that she's reading is all about revenge, and we don't realize that there is another revenge plot somewhere else in the movie, and I don't want to spoil it because I think it is such a good... It is good. Think piece, that movie. Yeah. But the, the final shot is so killer that you're just... Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just a, such a great performance from Michael Shannon. <laughs> yeah. Such a great performance from Michael Shannon. And I, from Aaron Taylor Johnson. It's so oh scary gosh, how evil so he scary. is. Oh my gosh, he's so scary. He's a nasty in that Isla Fisher doing her absolute best, I think. Yeah. Uh, she's, yeah, she's normally so comedic, and I love her comedy, but I did not know she could do drama, and yeah. it was excellent. Mm-hmm. I would like to see it again, because the first time, I will say... I didn't understand why, because Jake is in both stories. Yes, me and Courtney had this conversation as well because I told her the exact same, because me and Kayleen, we watched it together for the Mm. first time and had the same sentiments. Definitely watching it a second time with a little more context is super But also what's so good about that, um, and I read the book too, the book's called Tony and Susan, because those are their names. I didn't know there was a book. Um, And Tony is the character in the story, Mm -hmm. and Susan is... Amy Adams outside of the story. So the idea... Tony's a girl. No, Tony is Jake's character inside the story. Oh. And so he wrote a book that is supposed to be called Tony and Susan, and he uh-huh. gives it to Susan, even though his oh, name is Edward. I see. And so what's what's crazy about the story within the story is that she is reading... It would be like if you wrote a book, Kayleen, and yeah. you gave it to me, uh, I might picture you as the main character. And yeah. so she's picturing her ex-husband as the main character, and then the character alongside him is described to be exactly like her of just like a short beautiful redhead but she can't put herself in the book she's like this isn't about me and so she pictures her own person so she's picturing her ex-husband about that uh, 
in the book. I, they don't, but no. I think you're just supposed to, to gather that it's it's her reading it, so she's reading it through this uh, lens of, my ex-husband wrote a book, it's clearly going to be, you write what you know. Gotcha. So she pictures him, but she can't picture herself because mm. she's so detached from it. But really, she is that character yeah. in there. I, yeah. So, and, and, and just knowing what ends up happening and the differences between the two stories... It was just too much of a slow burn, and that, mm-hmm. with the confusion, meant my first time I was very meh about it, so I would like to watch it again. Cool. Watch yeah. it again. I've seen it so many times. <laughs> yeah. Kind of needlessly good. so. Yeah. I mean, most people were like, yeah, that was a good movie, but I was like, no! It <laughs> is art! Movie. I must watch it! <laughs> it is art! Uh, yeah. It's such good filmmaking, and really deserved more recognition at the Oscars. Jake mm-hmm. deserved a nom. Amy deserves a supporting nom that year, but more yeah. importantly, she deserved a leading nom for Arrival. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that movie came out right after Arrival, and so I'm pretty sure there was a day when I saw them both back to back, because mm. I saw Arrival multiple times, and I was like, what a treat this is for me. Right? <laughs> what a year. <laughs> Never have I been so blessed. <laughs> okay, so both of my answers are from the same director. It's Ooh. Tarantino. Are they Kill Bill and Kill Bill Volume 2? No. <laughs> <laughs> Also, I'm stoked to find out what Tarantino film you think was invented revenge before The Count of Monte Cristo. (laughs) And I'll say, yeah, that is a good idea. Okay, what's your honorable mention one? My honorable mention is Kill Bill. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, And I guess you can link... Which volume? Yeah, I guess you can link them together. I actually like different sections of each movie better than, like, the movie on the whole. I think so, so too, yeah. Um... Uh, yeah, but I can't really ruminate on it very much because I've only seen them all one time. But my true answer is Inglorious Bastards. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> oh, Shoshana. <laughs> I ain't never seen. You've never seen it? Oh, you know, oh, okay. We've already talked about this because I just mentioned this movie as like something that I wanted to add to my watch list. I've already seen it, but I want to watch it again. Um, it's it's great. Yeah, Shoshana. She gets revenge. You know, some Jews get revenge on Nazis. I was going to say, is she a Jew that was in the Holocaust? Um, Don't spoil anything. No, I'm not going to spoil it. Oh, I Um, feel bad if you can't talk about your revenge movie just because I haven't seen it. People know. Okay. (laughs) What do you know? People know what I'm talking about. Okay. You know, um, it's another one of those rewriting history. Oh, fun. Kind of things. And it's just a really good movie. And the comedy is great. Mm Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I think there's some great performances in there. Isn't BJ Novak in that movie? Yes, yeah. he is. That's exciting. He's nicknamed the Little Man. Oh. Yeah. And Christoph Waltz makes fun of him. He's like, they call you the Little Man. <laughs> I like it. Uh, I think Brad Pitt's performance in it is fantastic. And I really haven't seen a, a lot of his fo- filmography where he plays, a, you know, a particularly comedic role. Mm. It's not entirely mm. comedic, but it is a caricature yeah. of a person. Yeah. And the, just the dedication for it makes it that much funnier. And we don't know anything about his character's backstory, but his character certainly has a lot going on. Yeah. Oh. And we don't know anything about him. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, we're not talking about No, we're not. <laughs> I'm talking about Shoshana kicking ass in fucking Inglorious Bastards, and that is dope ass revenge if I ever saw some. Yes. So, listeners, we're going to move on to the predictions portion of the podcast because Courtney needs to tell us what she thinks is going to happen in this movie, yeah, The Crow. Yeah, I have not seen The Crow. Uh, the only thing that I know about it is that it is a cult classic and it's for, like, a very specific kind of person. I feel like the people who love this movie also would love Donnie Darko. Yeah. But <laughs> all I know about this is that it's 
Dwight K. Schrute's favorite movie. Yeah. In the episode of The Office where they're playing Desert Islands and he has to pick a movie to take with him on a desert island, they say, Dwight, what's your favorite movie? And he just, he looks so lost and he just goes, The Crow. Because <laughs> he's having a tough day. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm guessing this is a movie for people who've had a tough time to latch on to and maybe like live out their revenge fantasies against somebody. I guess. Um, <laughs> uh, it's, it also seems like, in my mind, like that movie Old Boy, because mm. that's like a classic revenge yeah. story. So what I think is this guy is going to be named something like Damien Schuyler. <laughs> the most angsty name. Yeah, and he, he blows all his money on eyeliner and hair gel <laughs> and hair tie, um, but his like goth girlfriend is super into it <laughs> until one day she gets hit by a car. Oh my god. Or maybe he even has like a little goth baby and so like, the wife and the baby are in the car. A little goth baby. I feel like it's gonna I'm be- imagining a baby but with like guy liner. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm guessing that they're gonna be killed because it's a revenge story and I think it's gonna be about a woman who is killed. Maybe a woman and a child. My mind's leaning towards car accident. Yeah. It seems like it may be more of an accidental manslaughter type situation, but he's like, nope, I'm coming for ya. And so there's a Rocky-esque montage where he trains really hard uh, <laughs> to the Red soundtrack, apparently. <laughs> that song, One Song Glory. Oh my gosh. Well, um, he's like hitting a punching bag. While he's hitting a punching bag. One I really... punch glory. <laughs> so he's going to do all this physical training um, wherein, you know, it seems like he's going to use his body for revenge. That sounds sexual. <laughs> it seems like he's going to be something of a physical fighter. But really, I think this guy is going to be all about swords. And like, that's, that's, you know, he wants it to be... He's going to have to go over, like, a whole syndicate of people. Cool. Um, and he does it. He wins. But also, in the end, um, he dies. And he sees his wife and child in goth heaven. <laughs> <laughs> the clouds up there are black. They're waiting for him. And they're like, Damien! And then the baby goes, Dad, Dad! Man, wow. I wow. actually loved that. Okay. That's okay. what I think this movie is. So, um, I have a question, Keely. Yes. Without spoiling anything quite yet, Courtney doesn't know the big thing about I, this. I was going to say, I think we should talk about it right after we talk about kind of the inciting action. Yes, I think yeah. you're right. Okay. 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 They're making these faces at each other, like how, like... <laughs> Your teacher and your mom talk to each other when they're here at, like, a parent-teacher conference. Like, mm, yeah, you're right. They don't want the kid to understand what they're talking about. <laughs> okay, yeah, let's do it like that. Okay. Oh, my God. It's, like, giving me anxiety knowing we have to talk about that. Actually. I know. I, you're you're going to be pretty... Shocked. Let's be shocked. People who have, you know, seen this movie and know what we're talking about, like, cryptically, are like, ooh. All right. Would you like to start? I would suck. Okay. Okay. So... The movie opens. It's October 30th. <laughs> nice goth holiday coming up! Exactly. It's Devil's Night in Detroit. Yep. Oh, does Wait, it say that? It doesn't it say says, it's in Detroit. And to be honest, I, I didn't know where this movie was We set. had to look it up. We had to look it up. It's actually referenced in the comic because this is actually adapted from a comic. 
Okay, so mm-hmm. when it says the date, it doesn't also say next date. It says it says Devil's, Devil's, Devil's Night. Night. Okay. It doesn't say Detroit. Okay. Which I Devil's didn't Night know. in Detroit is like a dope Devil's name. Night in Detroit. <laughs> Devil's Night is a night that has been historically plagued with criminal activity, particularly arson. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't. Also, oh my gosh, they're gonna die in a fire. They yeah. also call it Mischief Night. <laughs> mischief oh, I night. knew that. I knew about Mischief Night. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, so we open on the scene. The place looks kind of like Hell's Kitchen slash Gotham. It's got. It's like a. It's like an emo kid drew a city. Yeah. <laughs> it's like. All the buildings are dark. It's all mm-hmm. very like Victorian, Gothic. Everything Love is it. looking painted. It's red. Never stops raining. Every it's never <laughs> not raining, and yeah. also everything is on fire. Everything like the whole city's the on fire. The whole city pretty much is on fire. It's Devil's Night. That's what you do in Detroit. Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. that sounds awful. Yep. Yes. So cops are everywhere. You know, people you know involved with crime are rampant around the world. Mm-hmm. Good cinematography from the get-go, which is one of yeah. the good points about this film, is that yeah. it was kind of um, revolutionary for some of the camera work that they did. Oh. And there's a lot of good establishing, yeah. you know, to create mood and set the the tone for the scene instead mm-hmm. of being like, here's a house. It's like, you know, we're moving props and establishing, yeah. like, where we are. Okay. That's probably the biggest thing that we were complimenting throughout the film is just these beautiful shots where we kept saying, that's awesome, like... Right mm-hmm. in the beginning, there's this shot of, like, I think the silhouette of the sky and the mm-hmm. buildings, and there's, like, this red, it's not even that the smoke is red, but, like, that the sunlight that's, like, peeking up is, like, red, and it shines through Ooh. the smoke. It's really awesome. Yes. Yeah. We're on Sergeant Albrecht. He's at a crime scene where Shelley Webster has been beaten and raped. No. Terribly. Terribly yeah. so. They're packing her up to put her in the ambulance. And there's also another body on the street. It's her fiancé, Eric Draven. And if you think that sounds like Raven, that's because it does. (laughs) But also, dope name. Yeah, Eric Draven. Draven. So, like, Damien Schuyler wasn't that far off. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Eric Draven is dead on the street outside. He's been stabbed. He's been shot. He's been oh. thrown out of the window of of the top apartment. Yeah. Um, oh, he's the, a tough guy. Well, he's dead. Oh, wait, yeah, yeah, he's dead. They're, he's dead. She's <gasps> she's not dead, but we get the impression, and yes. we'll talk about it, but it's that she ghost. will be dead. The couple, they were about to be married the following day on Halloween because mm-hmm. they're they're about that god life. I you love know? them. There's a young girl who's looking at the crime scene. She's crying. Albrecht meets this young girl. Her name is Sarah. And he says, we'll take care of your sister. She's going to be okay. And she says, that's not my sister. She just takes care of me. Her and Eric, they took care of me. I know that you're lying. I know that she's going to die. Yeah. And he says, she'll probably probably die. Yeah. So this is where we switch over the term fun fact to trivia. Mm Mm-hmm. Because there's a really big, which we both, after we discussed it, we were both like, I feel like somewhere deep down we had heard this or kind of knew this. Mm -hmm. Is it based on a true story? No. No. There was a huge accident on the set of this movie. Do you know about this? Okay, one of you asked me this the other day. You were like, do you know the big thing about the crow? I I did, yeah. Yes. Okay. During, and they, they shot the flashback scenes later. Mm-hmm. That was, like, I think the last thing they shot, presumably. Mm-hmm. When they shoot Eric Draven, 
the actor got shot for real and died. No! Yeah. yeah. This is um Bruce Lee's son. Mm-hmm. Brandon Lee, and he died on set of The Crow. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. my... I don't even know how to react to that. That's terrible. That's my heart like, is, like, beating really fast. I know. It's, like, it. it's very sad, but that's kind of, like, one of the cult ravings about this film is that that happened and people find it's like that, already such a dark film yeah yeah that it it's kind about of, death apparently yeah. um this the actor had a lot of um notions about death and was really into you guys it. let me go on and on making all these silly predictions i was a little bit like, like a, oh we shouldn't be laughing <laughs> i mean predictions are fine yeah. they can be outlandish <laughs> um, now i'm just sad <laughs> Yeah, yeah. there was actually, there's like this whole, I'm going to read this word for word because it's really nuts. This is from IMDb Trivia. It says, there were several accidents that befell the production crew, leading to a widespread belief that the film was cursed. A carpenter suffered serious burns on his upper body during the first day of filming. A manual worker had a screwdriver get embedded in his hand. An equipment truck burst into flames. What? A stuntman broke several ribs after falling through a roof. A rigger was horribly electrocuted, a disgruntled <gasps> set sculptor went berserk and drove his car through the props room, destroying it. <gasps> also, a hurricane destroyed several of the sets. Also, their main actor was killed. Yes. Well, yeah, that's not included because every other trivia is about that. But, mm-hmm. yeah. So, that's just, there's just how a does really, that happen? A really weird, like, Macbeth vibe around this movie. And mm. when, when Kimmy, because before we started the film, I told her about finding this out about Brandon Lee, because actually my coworker David is the one who, as soon as I said we were doing The Crow, he goes, is that the one where the main actor died? And I was like, what you talking about? And I looked it up, and I was like, how did I not know this? Actually, it had something to do with the mix-up between the pellet in the that gun and the blank. That shouldn't happen, ever. Actually, <laughs> um, this film was probably integral in a lot of the gun laws on sets being changed. Yeah. Uh, Rightfully so. Basically, what we were discussing, and it's like, of course, hindsight 2020, but I was like, what happened was... And I don't know a lot about guns, but what it seems like is when they do shots where an actor has to load bullets into a gun, they use bullets. It's essentially a bullet without all the chemicals. A blank. So it's not a blank. A oh. blank is the opposite, where it's the chemicals and no bullet. Oh. So this is what they called like a dummy bullet. And basically, and again, this is my layman's way of describing it, but basically they put a, so that you can have realistic shots of you loading a gun, but then that way if it accidentally gets fired, no one gets hurt. Okay. So when they were doing those shots, at some point one of the dummy bullets got lodged into the barrel, and so when they went to film the scene where you have to fire blanks, because they make the noise but nothing comes out, they shot it and the chemicals basically that they put in there to make the sound shot off the dummy bullet at the speed of a real bullet. What's unfortunate is that it was a fellow actor I was, who did I was going to say, yeah. of course, how, how is that person? Not good. Not good. No, they were up. Um, they took a sabbatical from acting for over a year, I believe. Mm-hmm. They were plagued by it for years and years and years. Said he had nightmares about themselves. it. Nightmares. Um, yeah, pretty much until they passed away in 2016. Yeah. That is awful. And we were also talking about so at this time when this happened, Bruce Lee had already passed away, but Brandon Lee's mother was still alive. And, of course, she sued, like, everybody involved with the project, which, of course. Mm -hmm. Of course. But one of the people involved in the suit was the actor, and I just, that makes me really sad. That's not fair. Because it's like, he already feels such guilt for something he had no control over, and to have to be 
you know, involved in this kind of a trial, I'm sure was really hard on that guy. Mm-hmm. So getting past that, oh, can I, I just Can I ask real fast? Yes. Is there, they were able to complete the movie? He's in the, most of the movie. Um, mm-hmm. he's in most scenes in the movie. So they had a double, like, doing, maybe, like, they like, filmed things from the back or something. A couple pickup scenes. A, cu- a couple yeah. pickup scenes, um, that are shown in the film where the actor's face is not shown. There's only, like, his silhouette, and they have some other stuff in the flashbacks that they used a body double for, mm-hmm. and then, um, digitally edited his face onto the actor. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And so the thing that I was going to say is that, we had discussed this before the movie, Kimmy and I, because I wanted her to know it going into it with me. Yeah. And so we discussed this a bunch, and then it just, because we didn't want to look up more details about it because of spoilers, and so as we were watching the film, honestly, basically anytime there was a bullet, we got nervous. Yeah. And we kept wondering how, like, if, when if, if he were to die here, how would they finish? Maybe they did things out of order, and... and it was a little bit of an anxiety ride watching it, knowing that any at any moment it could be a real death. So did but. you know that if it if it was the final the bullet that was meant to even kill the character was the one that got him, or it was just a random scene where there is like bullets? Again, and- this is in the flashback, so this yeah. is like this is the night that he dies that he gets shot, and that didn't even end up being in the film. All right, so uh, let's go with another trivia, but this one is not bleak. It's um. To do with how we talked about all those beautiful shots, the director Alex Proyas, I don't know if I'm saying that correctly, but Alex Proyas originally wanted to shoot the entire movie in black and white, and they didn't let him, which I'm happy about because we got some really beautiful shots that Mm -hmm. you couldn't have done in black and white. That just also seems too on the nose. (laughs) It's like a goth movie. It's already so dark that it kind of feels like that transition wouldn't be that big of a deal. No, I I believe that within that trivia fact they said they were only going to have certain things in color like the flashbacks because there's flashbacks of with him and uh, Shelly having like a great life later on in the film mm-hmm. and those were going to be in color. Yeah. That just reminds me of um, which I'm surprised didn't come up today in our discussion of Memento being a classic yeah, revenge yeah. and in black and white. Yeah. Yeah. Alrighty. So now we got a time jump to one year later. Mm-hmm. So again, October 30th. And now that little girl who um, said that they basically raised her, she was a little skater girl. Now mm-hmm. it's one year later, she's a little goth girl. She, her outfit's dope as hell. Aww. She's wearing like ten necklaces. Yeah. And... <laughs> she's wearing like a hoodie underneath a maroon jacket. She's got ripped up fishnets and boots. She's mm-hmm. also like 13. Yeah, because <laughs> it's only a year later. So she looks really cool. She's Super dope. But also, it's still like a, a child. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, yeah. look at me, I'm Avril Lavigne. And, and she skateboards like. everywhere in the rain, which apparently is really hard to do. And they yeah. talk about that in the film. <laughs> yeah. What a so, great kid. There's also, again, more cinematography stuff. There's these really awesome shots of crows looking around, and it shows rain falling on the crow's face. <laughs> I also wanted to point out that in the beginning of the film... They have this little voiceover, I think it's of the girl, Sarah. Yes. Um, where she's talking about how crows have this legend of kind of being the passage between life and death, and how a crow takes you on to the next world, mm. and that if, basically if you have like unfinished sadness is kind of how they say it, that a crow will stay with you to help you like complete mm. your journey. So, there is a crow tap, tap, tapping on a gravestone. <laughs> 
the gravestone is Eric Draven's. You start to see the ground a shifting. It's a shaking. Oh my gosh. I didn't know we were getting a zombie movie. It's a breathing. <laughs> a hand pops out and lifts the top of the casket out of the grass. Eric Draven literally screams his way out of the yeah. <laughs> In bloody murder, it's really, really just disturbing. Yeah. <laughs> so gosh. It's like he's crying. <laughs> he's yelling for he's, his His first know, words life. are directions to Hot Topic. <laughs> <laughs> Please, someone help me find a Hot Topic. <laughs> um, he actually is fully clothed. Like, he's still in his clothes that he died in. Mm-hmm. Um, but very soon, he angstily and angrily takes his shirt off in the rain. Yes. Because... He's, because you do that. Yeah. Um, and then I wrote, shirtless Eric returns to his apartment. <laughs> yes. And he's ripped. Why would yeah. it still be his apartment? Actually, it's a year later, and there's a really good shot, a POV shot of his hand going towards the front door of the apartment and opening it up. And there's crime scene tape still on the door. Like, nobody's stepped foot in that apartment for a whole fucking year. Yeah. And they haven't. It's still trashed and crazy inside. Yeah. He walks in, he's still yelling, he's throwing the stuff, he's and having flashbacks. Then we get a cameo of a cat. Oh yeah, which somehow out. his cat survived in this abandoned apartment for a year. Yes. <laughs> maybe there was a typo, maybe this was supposed to be one day later. <laughs> <laughs> Halloween night, but no. Um, okay. So Eric Draven is in agony. He has so much grief. He has the flashbacks of his dear fiance Shelly being hurt um, by what is this like biker like street gang uh, of men. Gang? Yes. There's four of them. There are four. The next part is so as they're as he's re experiencing and also some of the things happened before he got home because he was killed as soon as he came home so all the beating and raping of his wife happened before that oh so he i was assuming they were in the room together no No. so he came in like after it was happening and so he's kind of reliving it all and in a way he's like going through the same motions that happened it's as if his body is kind of making him do the same things Mm -hmm. so when they throw him out the window in his flashback he like jumps and grabs the glass window and kind of swings out of it and back into it but because of that his hands are covered in blood because it was all broken glass so he had like grabbed onto the broken window then he looks at his hands and they heal right up. Oh, they do. I was going to mm-hmm. say. He's like, this looks so much edgier. Yes. <laughs> and he walks around with glass hands. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it is now that he gets guided by the crow to go seek revenge on all of the murderers. Awesome. Does he yes. only have, like, 24 hours to do it? Or do we not know? We don't know the rules, really. And more rules like get established later on. As soon as possible. You know? Yeah, he's not wasting time. No. Yeah. He he's, found his black t-shirt. He's good to go. Exactly. <laughs> he's like, okay, I'm invincible. The crow's like, ah! And he's like, yes, murder time. And so he just kind of wants to, I think his plan is like, I'm going to kill those four and then I'm going to go back to sleep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he, uh, I, I promise I didn't forget about your bit, you can oh. t- but there's some stuff in between. Okay. I feel like Shelly deserves being on this. Is Shelly alive? Shelly's dead. Yeah, why doesn't her ghost get to come back? Because she doesn't have unfinished business, I guess. Because she is a woman. (laughs) She needs a man to avenge her. Fine. (laughs) It is 1994. Um, Rest, my beautiful angel. (laughs) (laughs) Don't wake up. (laughs) Um, So, 
now we get this ridiculous scene of all the bad guys at a bar just being bad guys. Love Woo! Tell they them all hang out together every day. Imagine every trope of a bad guy, at least one of them has it. Fat, right? bald, bandana, mustache. Yeah, I think that's like all of them. <laughs> None of them are fat, but everything else. They do have a crony who's fat. Okay. A crony, yeah. yes. Okay. And they, uh, they do, you know, typical bad guy stuff, like... They smash they, their beer cups and no, they're like... No, they swallow bullets. They swallow bullets. <laughs> <laughs> With shots of tequila. They put bullets on their tongues and take shots to chase the bullet. That's how you show so you are s- the most badass bad guy. So. And then they, like, put cigarettes out on their tongues. Blah. I would love it if they just, like, start getting more and more outlandish and then they <laughs> yeah, just, like, start they, beating they, each other with crowbars. The waitress... Crowbars? <laughs> <laughs> the waitress comes by. She looks a little bit sketched out. She says, put your guns away, you guys, huh? And they, they're like, oh, yeah, waitress. You know what we're going to do to you? We're going to make out with you and lick your face. Do they do that to her? Yeah, well, they the, do. the one guy does, and she's like, I'm into it. Mom, 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 mom. <laughs> oh, so I was picturing like like a, a nice flow, like a restaurant lady. Oh no, <laughs> no, she's like a little grungy, and yeah, she's like, she's a little nah, nah, nah. And <laughs> then uh, Eric Draven is is looking at his apartment. It's covered in these mime masks, you know. And <laughs> I kind of said that weird. Mime, mime masks. masks. Mime masks, you know, with the... I think you are. I was like, please explain to me with the... what a mime mask is. <laughs> Sorry. Mime mask. <laughs> In all of his rage, he decides to do a little bit of face painting. Oh my god. <laughs> he gets... Again, directions to the nearest hot topic. He magically has some, like, white face paint in it's his not magical. drawer. It's he's just his bathroom. It's stopped. Yeah, it's just... <laughs> he always had it, Kimmy. They're he gone. He always had it, you know. <laughs> He wipes it on his hands. He puts the white all over his face. He gets a nice little pastel black crayon <laughs> that he's got. He outlines his eyes like, you know, the mime clown. He do. honestly okay. looks like an insane clown posse yeah. follower. And he does okay. his mouth too. He looks like a scary death clown. Yeah, I guess what I know I'm dressing as for Comic-Con. I, I actually we turned both to talk cl- about King that. Can you even so Comic-Con? <laughs> and I was like, honestly, kind of a sexy outfit. <laughs> um, Anyways, Eric Draven is ready He's dressed up. He's ready. He had to make sure he looked fly before he, he killed people. He had to make people. sure he looked fly. Um, he also has this nice, like, as he's doing this, he kind of has this sad but also nice romance montage. But I called it a goth romance montage because it's like, look at me wearing this mask. Blah, blah, blah. And she's like, you're so funny. And then they, like, kiss and they're like, they only kiss in, like, candlelight, so it looks extra goth in what? their goth apartment. She and... says, I love you, like, six times. And she yeah. says it, like, really dramatic, like, I would die for you. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. She looks super 90s, too. And you know what? This whole, I think at this point is when we said this out loud, but this whole movie, especially since we haven't had a ton of dialogue at this moment, is just kind of like one long, sick music video. Because mm-hmm. we are just getting... Heavy metal music to like everything, and honestly, yeah. when he's putting on the makeup, I think the song even says something like "Wearing my mask." Like, Is it Marilyn like, Manson? No, oh, maybe. Does he have a mask song? I don't know. I don't know. But it's it's all very. It, it really gets you in the mood. You're, yeah. Of wanting to put on guy liner yourself. <laughs> he's on the way to kill guy number one, and as he's like on the way, he kind of falls off this ledge and lands in a pile of trash and all this rain is falling on his face and he's got the makeup and he it it's like he's the OG Joker. He's mm. got the like it, a very why so serious vibe. 
So the first bad guy's name is Tintin. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. So Tintin goes to a pawn shop. That sounds like a Curious George story. Tintin goes to the pawn shop. Can can we talk about the names thing right now? Yes. So I didn't. We didn't really know a ton of the names to begin with, but we get Tintin, and I'm like, that's kind of funny. And then when once um they move on to talking about other characters, the next one's name is Fun Boy, and I went. <laughs> Kimmy, do they all have ridiculous names like this? Did they just say his name is Funboy? She's like, yeah, they're, they're street names. And all I could think of is, in Tom Segura's stand-up, how he makes fun of watching, like, crime shows and how it starts to turn into a cartoon because the cops will be like, when was the last time you saw Dookie Shoes? And they're like, <laughs> i never seen him. And he's like, oh, really? Because I have a photo of you hanging out with Dookie Shoes. <laughs> That's what this felt like. Yes, for we, sure. We have T-Bird, Tintin, Funboy, and Skank. Tim's <laughs> on the last one. <laughs> you want to dress as Skank? No, I just like. I'm talking about our group, guys. You guys, we're gonna dress. Kiki is oh fun God, boy. Comic Con. Okay, one of us up. will be the crow, and the other four will be the ones he murders. <laughs> so everybody has to go buy a duster, like right now. <laughs> oh, a duster is like a long leather jacket. Oh, I thought you were talking about, like, a makeup brush. (laughs) That does do. Everyone go buy feather dusters right now. They're all maids. (laughs) My name's Skank. (laughs) Skank would be a maid. Um, So Tintin goes to a pawn shop. (laughs) (laughs) It really feels like the name of a Barney episode, guys. (laughs) Tintin goes to a pawn shop? Uh, Tintin and the pawn shop owner apparently know each other. The pawn shop owner is the fat guy, the fat crony. Apparently he has, like, information and inside, like, you know, knowledge with the gang group. And they go there a lot. And it's not a very, like, amicable relationship. They're kind of, like, rough and tumble guys. Mm -hmm. And he says, you know, I'm gonna sell you this watch. And they have kind of, like, a argument about how much it is. Tintin leaves the pawn shop in a huff. You know, because he's a swindler and, you know. Anyways, goes into the alley where Eric Draven is. And he's coming up on him through the flames. Tintin's like, what are you doing, you crazy, you know, drug-toting dude? alleyway's on fire? <laughs> there's no, like there's a like trash a trash can, can on fire. fire. What's wrong with this, this city? It's, it's actually... It's <laughs> devil's night. I, I originally, Everything's on fire. I originally didn't have this note, but this is another reference to Rent. He's burning things in a trash fire, just like in the beginning of Rent the movie. Mm. What's the other reference to Rent? Oh, we haven't gotten there yet, Courtney. <laughs> I need to know now. <laughs> um... Yeah, so he sees Eric through the flames of the burning trash can, and I just wrote a couple notes for their fight. It was honestly pretty lame choreography, Mm -hmm. especially after just watching John Wick 3. I was like, do better. (laughs) But we also get some really nice, like, type punching sounds. The Foley is terrible. Yeah, very bad. The same punch sound every time. Yeah. They're all, like, at the same audio level. A lot of copy and paste going on. Yeah. I think, like, it starts to get better, or I just got immune to it, but <laughs> definitely the first few punches, I was like, yikes. <laughs> Once the fight starts to get more intense and, and he pulls out some knives, Tintin throws a knife at the crow. He bitch slaps that knife midair. The crow yeah. does? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and by the crow, I mean, uh, Eric. Eric. But what? I thought you meant a crow. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I imagine that he's, like, also 
called the crow, yeah, but no, for sure. they never yeah. referred to But him you as did a say crow. that a crow led him there, so I thought we got this fun moment of like a wing like smacking him. The crow <laughs> follows him everywhere, and we get the same shot of the crow in the rain about a hundred times, but the crow doesn't do much. Okay. But he does follow him everywhere. So he's there like watching. And yeah, so he bitch slaps that knife, and then the next time the guy throws a knife at him, he catches it between his hands right before it hits his face. Ooh. And it's pretty cool. Super dope. Um, then he takes that knife he just caught in midair and throws it back at the guy, and we imagine he's gonna die. He gets stabbed a couple more times. Uh, so now we get these new characters who we know nothing about, and we still won't know anything about. Mm -hmm. Um, we find out, I don't think ever in the movie, but Wikipedia told me this, there's this guy, his name is Top Dollar. Hmm. He's like the head of all the people who go out on Devil's Night and destroy stuff. Okay. Again, we don't know his name. We don't know who he is. He just, like, seems like the big bad. Mm -hmm. And he's with this Asian gal named Micah. I think we also never heard her na hear her name. No. And then it seems like they're, like, weirdly, like, scary bad guys romantically involved. And then all of a sudden there's this other girl who I think is naked. And they imply they're going to steal her eyes. What? Oh, and she's then, also dead in the bed. Oh. Uh, and then uh, cut away from that scene, so I don't know what's going on there. Just like, who? What? Eyes? Huh? And now we're going to go back to the pawn shop. Yes. That same guy is still at the pawn shop, uh, the pawn shop owner. And uh, there comes, you know, a rap, rap, rap at the door. <laughs> Uh, pawn shop owner says, we're closed. Get out of here, you, you know. You raven. <laughs> uh, he busts open the place anyways. By this time, Eric Draven has crashed glass like six times. Mm -hmm. okay. He loves crashing glass. Who doesn't? Mm -hmm. He starts quoting an Edgar Allan Poe poem, The Raven. Duh. <laughs> um, except for he misquotes it, mm. you know. I don't know why they didn't do another take. <laughs> I wonder if it was like... You know, if I was going to quote something, I might misquote it. So they're like, you know what? It's authentic. It's really never more. He's like, never mind. Never, <laughs> never mind. mind. <laughs> and as this is happening, I wrote down, is he intimidating? Because he kind of just says it normal. And Brandon Lee doesn't really put on a voice. No. He's just kind of like, the raven has entered and now I'm here. I'm in your pawn shop. Like, he kind of talks like that. Yeah. Doesn't oh. put on any kind of a voice. It's just very, Yes. This is what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Aren't you afraid? And I kind of am, but I'm kind of not. Now, uh, this is when... So did he kill the pawn shop so owner? So they basically get into a fight. And the pawn shop owner is like, I told you to get out of here. Now I'm going to kill you. He shoots him. And we see that he doesn't die from getting shot. And the he pawn heals shop, right away. Yeah. And the pawn shop owner goes, shit on me, shit on me, shit on me. <laughs> like, <laughs> is he asking? <laughs> He's like, yeah, that's his way of like saying, a, like, like, oh shit. It's like, oh darn it. Yeah. It's like, oh shit. But Dang he just keeps nabbit, going, you know. shit on me, shit on me. Um, and then he's like, tell me where the ring is that this guy pawned to you years ago, or a year ago. And he's like, oh, I don't know. So he goes and looks for it. Where He tells him where the rings are, and Eric goes, and he finds the ring in the pawn shop. Yeah. So um, so now Albrecht is at Tintin's crime scene, and they're investigating it, and they are, you know, obviously wondering who did it. And we see on the wall there is a crow drawn in blood. It's huge. Mm -hmm. It's across huge the whole wall. Crow. Also, Tintin has, like, 
ten knives sticking out of his I chest. I don't know where he got oh. all those knives. That's no. what I was wondering. Yeah. Yeah. Fun. The girl, so, so you know how we f- saw Fun Boy making out with some girl at the bar? Yeah. We find out that's Sarah's mom. That's a bummer. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so that implies why we know she wasn't being raised by her mom. She was being raised by Eric and Shelly. Mm-hmm. She goes to the bar, sees her mom making out with this guy, and she basically sits down like it's nothing, like she's used to it. And she's like, Mom, can we go home? Like, Aww. And her mom's like, here's some money, go get dinner. And she's like, already got dinner. And then like the guy's like, come on, lady, let's go upstairs. And they basically ditch the daughter. Eric Draven finds the ring in the pawn shop. It was his engagement ring that he was going to give to Shelly. And when he finds it, he says to the pawn shop owner, you're going to be the messenger. You're going to tell all those guys that death is coming for them. Mm. Eric Draven's here to come and get them. It's not an exact quote. but generally <laughs> what he says. I'm paraphrasing. It's probably something pretty similar. He lights the whole place up with lighter fluid or gasoline or whatever, and he torches the place and it explodes, and the pawn shop owner gets out just in time. I was going to say, he doesn't Where really he get give all these him... things. He didn't really give him much time to escape no. after he said, go tell everyone Eric Draven's coming for them, and then he kind of doesn't wait for him to get out of the building. Right. Okay. Um, so now that building's on fire, mm-hmm. and Eric is just walking out of the building, and also the crime scene's, like, right next door, yeah. basically. Mm-hmm. So Albrecht sees him, and he's like, hey, you, I'm gonna need to question you, right? Also, you look super scary. <laughs> and so he points a gun at him, and he says, don't move. And Eric says, I thought police always say freeze. And he goes, I say, if you move, you're dead. And Eric goes, I say, I'm dead, and I move. And he starts walking toward him, and I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dead and I move? My God. Whereas Albert's like, what does that mean, man? <laughs> right. <laughs> but to him, he's like, that was badass. <laughs> um, Good one, Eric. <laughs> right? He's doing the little strut with his arms. Um... There's more to that scene. It's, you know, that happens, and he kind of very cryptically is like, oh, you don't remember me? And yeah. he goes, huh? And he kind of, without saying very blatantly, he nods to, oh, what happened a year ago today? Like, ringing any bells? Like, it kind of alludes him to the fact that he's a dead man walking. Okay. And then he, the cop turns away, and he he's just, like, distracted flees. by some people looting the pawn shop. While it's on fire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ballsy. Yeah, and then he just flees like a like a ghost. So now we get the scene where the little skater goth girl, Sarah, is skating her skateboard in the rain and a car's about to hit her because mm-hmm. she wasn't looking. Then uh, Eric from the shadows grabs her and saves her. Aww. And we get... A lot of crazy lines in yeah. this scene. He won't let her see his face. He's, mm-hmm. like, turning away as if that's going to help. And she makes a joke about... There's a lot of crazy one-liners I didn't even write down, but there's some crazy one-liners. Mm-hmm. I cannot wait for the one you wrote down later. Oh, you yes. know what I'm talking about? Yes. <laughs> um, but there's this one right here where she goes, all this brain, it's more like surfing than skating. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> And then he goes, it can't rain all the time. And, like, broodingly looks away. She turns around, she says, Eric? But he's gone. (laughs) Yeah. That's gone. I mean, these people should be thankful for the rain when they live in Fire City. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Cordy, good point. Why are there so many fires? Because there's so much rain. (laughs) (laughs) Everything gets so drenched that it lights up. (laughs) Criminals are like, 
better make use of this rain. <laughs> I'm going to start a fire. Nature will clear it right up. It they're never stops raining. They're just trying to get dry, okay? They're just trying to get dry. <laughs> yeah. They're trying to get warm. It's freezing. <laughs> it's October. Um, so now we see Albrecht looking over Eric's file from a year before because he is like, no, can't be. Well, I have this hunch. And he's just staring at the photo. This is the first time that we find out Eric was in a band. Yeah. Of course he was. But he was, like, how, in a rock band. Yeah. How have we not been told this after, like, 40 minutes of the movie? Apparently it's, like, a major character trait that's, like, known about him as, like, whoever Eric Draven Can is. Can I guess the band's name? Yes. Please <laughs> guess the band's name. Because I swear yeah, we it's wrote great. It down. Like, um, okay, so before I guess, I want... A hint. I want how many okay. words and okay. what the letters for each word start with. Fun. Two words. Okay. H. J. And <laughs> Hell's Jalapenos. <laughs> <laughs> Just like, that's better than what I Give was more. Give more. I was like, can job. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> um, H. J. Also, they're kind of contradictory. Okay. Like, one is negative on and one words. is positive. It's not a play on words. It's, like, it's ironic. You guys tell me what it is. Mm-hmm. Their rock and roll band name is Hangman's yeah. Joke. And we haven't even actually found that out yet, but it was fun to put there. Mm-hmm. Um, so after he tells us that, that he's in a band, we then get this pretty funny... I mean, I liked it, but it's still, like, pretty comical... He's drawing on this, like, evidence photo, the makeup of <laughs> Eric Draven. He didn't even make a copy of it. Like, no. I, I can't tell unless it, I, I draw it on there. He's just it's tarnishing so evidence. Funny. I can't, like, use my imagination or anything like that. Yeah. Wow. So that's that. And then he's like, oh. Yeah. Eric is, like, off to Fun Boy's house, and he sees... Finds Fun Boy with Sarah's mother, Darla is her name. He's there and he's like, I'm gonna kill you, Fun Boy. Their fight is even less interesting than the well, first fight. Before they fight, um, we find out that Darla is hanging out with Fun Boy because he's got drugs. Okay. And he they, shoots yeah. her up. He shoots her up with what they say is morphine, I guess. Right. Oh. They're shooting up morphine into her veins or whatever. Yeah. He shoots Fun Boy in the leg. Fun Boy's bleeding out. Darla's yeah. freaking the fuck out. Yeah. Obviously, you would, I guess, if mm-hmm. your drug dealer lover got shot in the leg. Yeah. It's whether or not, leg. He, whether <laughs> or not you're on drugs, but especially because she's on drugs. Eric okay. Draven picks her up by the arm so we can see her track marks. Some oh. of the leftover drugs, like, seep out of no. the holes. No, this is what happens. What? He's, like, squeezing it out. Oh, yeah, he squeezes it he's out. He's basically, like... That's how veins He's work. removing the drugs from her veins. He says... Drugs are bad for you. You shouldn't do drugs. So basically, Eric Draven is like Avenger of Death and resident D.A.R.E. representative. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> He's really just the, the man's man. Not the only time in the movie where he poo-poos drugs. She runs away. Yeah. Um, Obviously very affected by his words about not doing drugs and being a Oh, you made me see the error of my ways. Yes. I had to physically watch the morphine ooze out of my body. Yes. I'm a changed woman. I mean, I would be. That sounds right? disgusting. So Eric Draven picks up some of the leftover morphine, like a shit ton of them. Yeah. And... Again, way more than I think the guy had. Much yeah. Much like the knives. They okay. just have, like, an abundance of props, I guess. Yeah. Um, and he stabs Funboy in the chest with all of them. 
Oh. There's a whole bunch of needles in his chest. Fun boy fucking dies. Yep. And then we get another red crow in on the carpet, I think. Yes. Okay. Another red crow. Oh, painted. In yeah. the blood. Okay. Yes. And then this henchman who's been around for those weird eyeball scenes. His name is Grange. Um, what? He like shows up to Funboy's house because they had a an you know an inkling that Eric Draven's on the loose, right? Mm-hmm. Or or whoever, you know. And so Grange catches him as he's going out the window, and he goes, "Shh," <laughs> jumps and out. It's like really weird. <laughs> he's like, "Shh," it's like kind of coy. It's not the way I'm describing it, but to me, it was very like, "Don't tell anyone," <laughs> and like jumps out the window. <laughs> okay. Yes. Um, Albrecht is at his apartment. He's wearing oh, his yeah. boxers and a wife beater and nothing else except for his cop hat. Which, that's <laughs> what he did. He's looking yeah. at all the evidence. He's It's like Gary from Game Night. <laughs> <laughs> it is like Gary. He's getting, you know, tingles on the back of his neck. Suddenly someone shouts, Freeze! It's Eric Draven in his apartment! Albrecht almost has a heart attack. Yeah, that he's comical, making callback jokes to things he said earlier. Uh, kind <laughs> of a hangman's joke, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> um, they have a talk. Um, Eric says, I need you to tell me about what happened that night. What happened to Shelly? Yeah. Even though he, like, kind of already knows. Yeah. We just kind of have to reiterate it, I guess, for the audience. Mm-hmm. Goes and touches Albrecht's head, and he's... Given a vision of exactly what happened, he jolts away from Albrecht screaming and yelling, Don't touch me, he says. Mm -hmm. He's pained and brooding. By getting the vision, he says that he can see through Albrecht's eyes and finds out that Shelley suffered um, after the the incident in the hospital for 30 hours before she died. Mm -hmm. And that he stayed with her the whole time. Yes. It also kind of seems, this is kind of talked about more later in the film, that it's not only that he's seeing these memories, but that he's feeling physical pain from them, too. That he's taking it on. Yeah. But because he can heal, he doesn't die from it. Yeah. Yeah, That's terrible. Um, So he has that bit, and this is, like, not that big of a thing, but I just thought this part was really beautiful, because he asks, he picks up this photo, and he says, oh, Albrecht, is this your wife? And he says, well, sh- yes, but we're actually getting a divorce. And he, Eric, talks about how little things meant so much to Shelley. And I used to think that they were trivial, but nothing is trivial. And I just thought that was really sweet because I think it kind of encapsulates like, uh, Ooh, like a whole thing about, did you have a note on that too? Yeah, you're going to love this. Oh, what'd you say? That was an improvised line by Brandon Lee. Was it really? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yes. I love that line. <laughs> Just love that part. Mm-hmm. Now here comes our other dare moment. Albrecht lights up a cigarette and he says, you shouldn't smoke those. They can kill you. <laughs> Maybe he's just trying to make sure everyone else gets a nice long life on Earth. <laughs> yeah. We get, again, more of the eye stuff. All that's really important in this scene is that they say, all power resides in the eyes. And we find out that they call him Blackbird. Which I find funny because the movie's The Crow, but of course they're like, it's kind of like a Swiss Army man, they call him multi-purpose man. It's like, don't say The Crow, it's yeah, too on the yeah. nose, he's Blackbird. Nice. Um, so this is my favorite Rent moment. Yes, oh, we, tell me. We forgot to mention, when he leaves the pawn shop, not only does he take the ring, but he grabs a guitar. So he's okay. had it, like, I think in his apartment or something. Anyway, now we get this cut to him on a roof 
playing guitar like in the rain and I was like one song glory yeah <laughs> so then some like my girlfriend is dead <laughs> one song what is the what is the like your dead girlfriend <laughs> yeah He's yeah. like shredding it like slash up on his roof yeah. in the rain. Beautiful killing shots. It. He just has to get his emotions out. I guess his you know avenue is music. Yeah, so I love he, him. He stopped screaming and now he's playing guitar. Yeah, the, the guitar screams for him. All right, so the last bit. <laughs> the last bit. Do you say the rain plays the guitar? The guitar screams for him. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That seems like I only get be, a few of these, you guys. That seems like that would actually be the tagline for the movie. <laughs> the girl just be him. <laughs> and it would be like a shot of him with the guitar on the roof. And he's got his mouth wide open. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, ah! <laughs> 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 yeah. So now we get our last scene before the halfway point, which is Sarah at her house or somewhere. She's somewhere. And she pulls out a hangman's joke record. She's like, because she has an inkling that that was Eric, right? So she puts the hangman's joke tape on. I think the crow even like shows up in her window. And she's listening to their song. And oh no, the record skips. What does it keep skipping on? That's so scary. Can't rain all the time. That's a lyric from one of their songs. And it just keeps saying, can't rain all the time. Can't, I don't know how the song goes. Can't yeah. rain all the time. Well, in my mind, it's really scary. Um, and she's, she's like comforted by it. <laughs> but also, like the same way that uh, Albrecht was when he drew clown face makeup on the yes. evidence photo. Yes, it's him. Yeah, it's him. Knew it. It's him. Halfway point. It's the halfway point now. Yay. Mm-hmm. Okay, my predictions for what's gonna happen the rest of this movie. I'm concerned Sarah's gonna be in danger. She's mm. gonna go looking for her mom. Or at some point, one of the bad guys is going to have her in his clutches to be like, don't test me, Eric, I'll kill this one too. Mm-hmm. Um, but she'll be fine. Eric is going to kill the last of his uh, of these four men, and then the, the last man to die will, will say something that will lead him to top dollar. Mm. Or he will say something like, we're not even the one you want, or something like that. And so then he's going to end up in this, <laughs> like the way you're describing top dollar, I'm picturing just like... Ooh, tell us. Uh, oh, I'll I've, tell you exactly what he looks like. But you sh- I want her to say it first. The picture yeah. of Benicio del Toro, <laughs> like like the collector. <laughs> oh, that's funny. He's got like all these bubbling cauldrons. And oh stuff. my! Nah. He looks exactly like Gary Oldman in Bram Stoker's Dracula. Oh, does Gary Oldman have long ass hair in that? Yeah. Yeah, this guy has hair down to his butt. It's, it's gross. Like straight. It's yeah. gross too. Like at the top, it kind of looks like greasy, and then it's just straight. Is it long and luscious? No, it's, it's gross. Oh. It's long. It's long. The top of it grosses me out. Like if you were a girl, you would know how to take care of the top. This of your is hysterical because we're three girls <laughs> discussing the crow. And I'm like, what's the bad guy's <laughs> hair situation? <laughs> what kind of no, like does he use pantene or is he like a is few he, days past due for some a L'Oreal gal? <laughs> He's going to, you know, go. And the bad guy is going to say something like, I'm going to kill you. And he's going to say, I'm already dead. Mm. This is going to sound really stupid if it doesn't happen. And also just, it's a bad idea. But Sarah's, Sarah's going to be there after he's killed 
everybody and she's gonna be like let me take you home and she's gonna take him back to the grave mm-hmm. and then he's gonna climb into the grave and be like goodbye and she'll say I love you dad and then they'll sign adoption papers and then he'll go back in the grave and he'll cup her cheek and say my goth daughter (laughs) I'm so proud of you your real name is Avril (laughs) it's Avril this is an origin story for Avril Lavigne yeah (laughs) that's what I think you got some really good gems in there yeah I I am just kind of throwing them out there though that's okay okay so the remaining two bad guys are together, and they're, again, just being blah, bad guys. One of them humps a parking meter. Yeah. So this one is Skank. He's humping the parking meter, and then Eric arrives because Skank, like, went in to go steal stuff from the liquor store or something. And then we get T-Bird in his car. Is it a T-Bird? Probs. So then T-Bird's in his car. Eric pops out of the back seat, and he's like, ha-ha. I've been here the whole time. <laughs> yeah. And he has a gun to T-Bird's head. He's like, drive, bitch. And then Skank runs out and he's like, no. And he has to go follow them to try to stop them. But it's too late. Uh, Eric has already devised this whole, like, thing where he kind of, he, like, wrapped his foot to the gas. Yeah, he, like, ties his foot to the gas. Oh. He... Um, duct tapes his head to the... The headrest? Yeah, headrest. And he has his hands on the steering wheel. He throws gasoline all over the car. He looks in the trunk of the car. There's a bunch of fireworks and shit. Mm-hmm. And Jeez. explosives in the back of the car. Because it's devil's night. Okay. I actually wrote down that this is like a pretty intricate and pretty unique... I really liked it cinematically, like, yeah. way to kill this, this guy. This is the dopest kill. He lets the gas on, and the car goes careening down a boardwalk, and it's going so fast. It's a danger to others. No, there's nobody there's around. There's nobody there. <laughs> um, and just it's a danger to it's, the ocean. It's right by the cl- like a cliffside, kind of. Yeah. Okay. Just as the car leaps off the boardwalk towards the ocean, the explosive ignites the car, and it explodes, crashing the car into the water. Yeah. He's dead. Mm-hmm. It's elaborate. He puts a match down on the gasoline he left, and it dopely goes into the shape of a crow in flames. Wow. It's yeah. awesome. That was the coolest crow. Yeah. Yeah. Especially the other ones are just blood crows. Right? This one is a giant fire crow. Um, well, Dark phoenix, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> while all of that was happening, Skank was actually um, in a car wreck while he was trying to chase them oh. down. Mm-hmm. And now that he's injured, he runs back to the bad guy lair. He goes over to Top Dalla's house, and now we finally, finally get the characters we know interacting with Top Dollar, because we didn't before. And now him and Micah are... Certain that Eric Draven is out there wreaking havoc. Somehow he's, you know... They've also found out, I think, at this point that he's invincible. We've also found out that Top Dollar and Micah are lovers and also half-siblings. Yeah. Typical bad guys. Um, Sarah is at her mom's house. She comes downstairs. Sarah's mom, Darla, is furiously cooking eggs. Hmm. She's cooking this beautiful morning breakfast, and she says, how do you like your eggs? She says, I don't even like eggs. You would know if you were my mom. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, what? You want, like, the Mother of the Year award, stupid? Mm-hmm. And she's like, forget it. And she goes, wait. I'm trying my best. I'm trying to do the right thing. I know that I've messed up. 
please let me try. This and scary she, goth man told me that meth <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> drugs are bad. And Sarah says, I like them sunny side up. So you do like eggs. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine if that turned into a real fight again? <laughs> yeah, it was it was really sweet because it was like she tried really hard mm-hmm. and and like, you know, said all these nice things and then she's like, whatever, I was never good at this mother shit and she's like you know, sunny side up. Cutting her some slack. So I like them. Okay, yeah. that's nice. Yeah. So she's a changed woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's cute. Uh, Sarah makes her way to the old abandoned apartment of Eric and Shelley. She's looking around. She sees the cat. She says, Gabriel, I thought you were dead. <laughs> that was real name. <laughs> that's what she says. I think. <laughs> I think she said that. And she's kind of like, hey, I know you're in here. You know, I, I really counted on you. I really miss you. Where mm-hmm. are you? I thought you cared about me. And just before she leaves, she hears Eric say, I do care. And she turns around, and he's silhouetted in the broken window, and she runs over and hugs him. This is kind of a sad scene. He was dead at this point. So she actually, the actress had to come back and reshoot that scene. Oh my god! It's not Brandon Lee. And you know what? I think she cries in that scene, doesn't she? I think so. And so I feel like... That was probably, like, real emotion because she doesn't even get to do the scene with this actor that she bonded with. Yeah. Yeah. So it's all in silhouette. They hug each other. We never get to see Brandon Lee's face because it's a stunt double and it's really sad. Yeah. But it is a lovely scene because it's like she, you know, it's recorded as her getting to see him back from the dead. It's really, like, parallel. It's it's kind of opposite. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, he he basically says, though, you know, I, I do miss you. I do care about you, but I can't be your friend in this way. Like, I'm not I'm not back to, like, be your caretaker, really. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Top Dollar is, like, the head of all the criminals in the entire city. Mm-hmm. And they've all gathered here at the lair or whatever it is, mm-hmm. which is, like, also doubles as, like, a concert hall, and there's, like, a rock concert going on down below. Yeah. And... But they're all gathered, like, in the attic, in this big, like, business table, and all of the bad guys in the town are like, we want to do bad guy stuff, it's October 30th, but in pops Eric Craven, he's ready to kill some people. Wow. And it looks pretty badass, because it's a room full of bad guys, and he walks in like, what up? Oh my gosh, is he going to take down the whole building? He kills pretty much... Everybody who's present in the room wow. in crazy ways, he uses everything in the room, he yeah. kills Skank, he kills everybody. He kills Skank by pushing him out a window. Justice, because I got pushed out a window. <laughs> but Top Dollar, Micah, and Grange, they get away. It's okay, though, because that wasn't his revenge. There's this part, I think it's as they're fleeing, Top Dollar and Micah, where she... I I guess because she's into sorcery and stuff, she goes, kill the crow, destroy the man. So now that's the goal, is maybe if we kill this crow, we can kill this dead guy. Eric has finished his quest. He killed his four dudes, and so he returns to his grave. He goes there to find Sarah, waiting to say goodbye to him, because she knew that he wasn't going to. Sarah's in danger now. <laughs> so she's, you know, they're having this really emotional goodbye, and she says, you know, basically, last time I didn't get to say goodbye, and they hug, and it's nice, and he gives her Shelly's engagement ring to add as the 27th necklace on her neck. Yeah. <laughs> he says Shelly would have wanted you to have it. Yeah, and it's very sweet. He's like, all right, bye, getting into my grave now. And then she walks around the corner, 
Grange abducts her. <gasps> Corny, you were right. Yeah. She gets abducted. Yeah, and I was all sorry that she would like go to the gravesite with him and be mm-hmm. like, back into bed. <laughs> oh, nighty night. <laughs> yeah, so she gets abducted. He, Grange, takes her back to the church. So it's top dollar. It's Micah. It's Grange. It's Sarah. Eric, as he's about to go night night, through the crow's eyes in a very like Game of Thrones esque way, sees that That's Sarah is in danger. So now he's got to get out of his grave and go save her. And mm-hmm. I think this was the dopest shot of the whole movie mm-hmm. when he realizes she's in danger and goes to find her at this like abandoned church. He pushes open the double doors of the church. And you just see the rain falling on him, mm. and there's kind of like a Halloween-y mist. The but crow flies in. It yeah, looks super dope. as he's walking in, the crow flies in overhead, and he just looks like he's ready to raise hell. <laughs> it's awesome. Grange shoots the crow as it flies into the church. Mm-hmm. Makes Eric lose his vulnerability, his um, invincibility. <gasps> oh, no. The crow's not dead though. No, it's it just, just got shot. shot. And Immediately after the crow gets shot, he shoots. Eric, and he gets injured. Yes. He's not this is, healing. This is Top Dollar. Top Dollar shoots Eric, and he's got a, you know, shoulder wound. Mm-hmm. And Top Dollar says, hey, here's a little impression for ya. Caw, caw, bing, fuck, I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> and he says it so loud and obnoxious. <laughs> It's yeah. like it's like his big moment where he's like, ha 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 ha, wow. aren't I funny? Yeah. Micah grabs the wounded crow because she's the witchy woman and she's going to take its powers somehow for herself. Mm-hmm. And then we get another one-liner like right after the caca line mm-hmm. where I think, I think it's Grange says it or maybe the woman says it, I don't know. But he goes, bye bye birdie. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so Micah, after she grabs the crow, she's running away. It seems like she's going to kill that crow and they're going to be screwed. All of a sudden, Albrecht comes in to save the day. Oh. And he and Eric are like running around hurting people. But all of a sudden, Top Dollar grabs Sarah and he's like, I'm going to throw her off the roof. Bye. Come get me. And so he runs to the roof with Sarah, to which Eric and Albrecht go follow him. As they're running up the stairs, Micah shoots Albrecht. Wow. The crow decides, I'm going to take this shit, and pecks out Micah's eyes. Mm, Which we were literally waiting for that to happen for the entire movie. Yeah, the whole time. We're like, stop talking talking about eyes. And like, I've seen crows peck out eyes in other movies. Yeah, crows peck out eyes. So it's going to peck out your eyes. Micah falls down the stairwell um, and... um, on her way, she's holding on to the bell tower rope. She be- she brings it a couple times, then she falls to her death. So then Eric continues up onto the roof to go get Top Dollar. There's a big fight. Top Dollar has been toting around a sword this whole time on his back. He whips it out. That's his weapon of choice. Yeah. That was my weapon of choice. Big old <laughs> sword fight. He, he doesn't have a sword, so he like... Breaks off like a roof antenna type thing. Yeah, to well, fight him with the church pyre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. They fight each other like that, and Top Dollar stabs Eric through the stomach or something. Yeah, through the chest. Through the chest, 
It looks like Eric might be at his last. He grabs Top Dollar's head and exchanges all the 30 hours of pain and suffering wow. that happened to Shelly and puts it into him. Yeah. And since Top Dollar doesn't have invincibility, he starts like coughing up blood and he's inflicted Ooh. with all the pain that he his henchmen had done to Shelly. That is so cool. He cool. throws him off the roof and he's impaled by a gargoyle and the blood goes out of the gargoyle's mouth. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It is so sick. Um, Aesthetic. Basically, we see that Albrecht is okay. He wasn't fatally wounded. He was, like, shot up in the arm somewhere. There's Mm -hmm. such dramatic music playing. It's so unnecessary. But whatever. The 90s were like, don't you feel the pain? These three are damaged. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And now they're at the hospital. Eric Draven goes back to his grave, finally. But that's okay, because he's kind of finished all of his unfinished business, and he turns around to see beautiful Shelly dressed in a white gown coming towards him. She's, like, there to take him to the afterlife, to the afterlife together. And the he gets back at his grave, and it's sealed up perfectly mm-hmm. like he never left, and they're mm-hmm. laid they to rest to together. Yeah. This mm-hmm. movie is bookended... With Sarah, how in the beginning she said the stuff about the crow. Now she says something along the lines of loving someone after they pass on makes them live forever. And I wonder if that was an addition. Maybe. Maybe. And then after, you know, it zooms out and the credits go, the first thing on the screen says for Brandon and Eliza. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, like, the most emotional part of the movie. I was <laughs> I <know>. like, fuck! <laughs> wow. <laughs> Real life stuff. Yeah. So that's that. Should we go ahead and rate this sucker? Yes. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Three, Set. two, one. Nice. Cool, okay. cool. What is that down there? That's a sad face. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> this movie made me sad. I gave it a seven, which... Oh, yes, I also gave it a seven. Kayleen also gave it a seven. Kimmy, I... you gave it a... A five. Mm-hmm. All right. I guess I am the hardest bitch <laughs> up in here. It used to be me. Yeah. Now the mighty have fallen, I guess I've become soft in my old age. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> Um, so I give it a seven, even though I haven't seen it, because the uh, appeal of it sounds just so on brand, where I feel like if, if I had been a certain type of boy living <laughs> at a certain time, I would have just glommed onto this mm-hmm. movie for sure. It's something I still want to see. This movie came about at my suggestion, because yeah. the two of them didn't know what to explain, and I said, would you mind looking over my Netflix to watch? And... You know, I was like, The Crow, and both of them were like, what? And I was None like... None of us knew <laughs> anything about it. I just knew that it was a, a favorite, and that it was dark, and I was like, I would love to know more about it before I go in and watch it, so... Yeah. Sorry I made you guys see this. No, uh, I, no. I had a fun time. It, yeah. It's very... It seems very interesting, and I'm, I'm eager to see the style, and to, to appreciate this actor. To yeah. appreciate Brandon Lee, because I feel like... If, if you did die in the service of making a movie, I feel like you, you should have, um, I, I feel like I, I owe it to him after yeah. hearing this explanation. I would like to see it. And yeah. I'm happy it's people's favorite movie. I'll go next because I also gave it a 7. Yeah. I really battled between a 6.5 and a 7 because I, I thought a 6 was too low, but a 7 feels too high. I felt, I totally understand why it has the acclaim that it does. Oh, me too. I really did enjoy it, at least at a six level. It's just, it's got a, 
something about it that I would totally rewatch it again. I feel like I kind of want this to be something I would love to watch it like on a dark, stormy Halloween night mm-hmm. yeah. because it has that excellent kind of vibe. And I think a lot of, you know, as we said, spooky movies last or two weeks ago, there's often things about spooky movies that aren't great. You know, like there's mm-hmm. flaws, but we ignore them because we love how it makes us feel. They're campy. Yeah, and yeah. there was so much about this movie that was campy, from the one-liners to, you know, some of the, like, slow-mo or freeze-frame shots, or just how much they leaned into it, like, with the soundtrack and yeah. style, but I also think it enhanced the experience, and as we'll discuss in a minute, a lot of the pros were also cons, mm-hmm. which makes it kind of hard to rate. Okay. Um, but so I think it deserves a, a seven, mm-hmm. because it's not perfect. Our sure. average is a six. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm Kimmy? Um, I gave it a five uh, because I don't really have the desire to rewatch it. I'm sure that I probably might, maybe in the future. Um, I wouldn't be upset by that. Yeah. Um, but I'm trying to think of the movie without its acclaim as a cult classic, and there's just some things technically that I didn't vibe with. Here's some stuff that um cited on Wikipedia as far as the critical response that I really, really agree with. Um, it was... Praised for its fast-paced action and uh, visual style, which they describe in Rolling Stone as dazzling fever dream of a movie. And I really did feel like that. Mm-hmm. Like, it is really stylistic, and I think that it gives it its comic booky vibe. And yeah. it's also claimed to be one of the most effective live-actioners ever derived from a comic. Um, the negative reviews uh, said that, that the special effects were just okay, and they didn't make up for the superficial plot and the badly written screenplay and the one-dimensional characters, which I kind of agree with. They're not very Mostly deep the one-dimensional characters. characters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the plot, I think, is, like, fairly thin. It's, he wants revenge. He gets it. You know, there's a yeah. couple bumps along the way. Yeah. I feel like that this movie could be a good remake if done correctly and with, like, the right amount of budget. Not to say that someone couldn't do something wonderful with it, because I'm sure they could, but it does feel like this weird territory, which that's just kind of the thing with any classic movie remakes. It's like, it was good for a reason because of something it did at the time, how, how it changed people at the time, and to remake it, it's like, you can't get that same gritty, low-budget feel mm-hmm. because... It's a cult classic for a reason, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, That was all. So to move along, we're going to go into watch list and recommendations for the next week. Yeah, so to close out this podcast, what are you guys adding to your watch list and what do you recommend? What I'm adding to my watch list, because it's been weirdly coming up a lot in my life through conversations and AMC just had a special event for it and heard a podcast talking about it the other day. I've never seen Saving Private Ryan, and I really want to watch that, and Dakota, that's like one of his favorite movies, and somehow we've never watched it together, so I'm going to watch that sometime soon. Um, And then as far as my recommendations, this kind of came into my mind when I was thinking of our movie-related questions, but it didn't quite fit either one of them, but I think it just has, a lot of this movie has a really similar dark vibe. I recommend The Butterfly Effect. Nice. And if you're not a fan of Ashton Kutcher, because I know some people are not, please give this movie a chance. Yeah. It's an excellent film. He's so good in it. There's so many twists and turns, and it's really, it's really wonderful and one of a kind. 
It's a, Watch the theatrical edition, not the director's cut. Yes. If you have the DVD and it says, do you want to watch the director's cut? Don't. Watch it after you've seen the real version. For real. Uh, and it's on Netflix right now. Check which one it is. Yeah. It's just an alternate ending. I assume Netflix would have the normal one. Yeah. Um, but the alternate ending is bad. Yeah, Make sure you're watching the right one. Yeah. <laughs> and oh. if you watch the movie and you hate the ending, Google it to see which <laughs> ending you watched. Okay, uh, for my watch list, Veronica Mars <laughs> Season 4 <laughs> comes out on July 26th. I've waited so many years for this. It's a dream come true. And so <laughs> I'm, I'm nearing it like the point where I have only a month to do so, I'm going to watch every episode. Nice. Because uh, I own the first three seasons, right. uh, and so I'm halfway through season one, and the plot has thickened, and I just, each season is about solving one major case, because she's a private investigator, and so I just, I love this show so much, and it's it's been a treat to rewatch, but that's really all I want to focus on for right now, in terms of my rewatching mm-hmm. or my watch list. What I recommend, I already talked about it quite a bit, but this week, I think it goes in theme, I'm recommending Donnie Darko. Nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely watch that one. It's just one of those fun movies to deep dive into, to watch, to explore, to to go online and find things out. To th- that one's got a lot of great trivia for mm-hmm. it. Um, that one has some similar themes to Butterfly Effect, if you think about it. Really it really does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's what I recommend. Okay, so for my watch list, um, I'm really glad this came up because I just saw the trailer today and it looked freaking awesome. It's called The Peanut Butter Falcon. It's from the same producers as Little Miss Sunshine. It stars Shia LaBeouf, Dakota Johnson, and it's about um, this boy, Zach, who has Down syndrome. He runs away from his care home to make his dreams of becoming a wrestler come true. Ooh. And he, get, he like, um, shacks up with uh, Shia LaBeouf, and Shia LaBeouf's kind of like this vagabond type, I believe, and tries to get him on the journey to make his dreams come true. That's nice. And it just looked really heartwarming. And I love Little Miss Sunshine, so if it's anything like that, I'm all for it. Uh, for my recommendations, just so it's in line with The Crow, I t- spoke to Kayleen about this briefly, but I would like to recommend Dread with Carl Urban. Is that with two Ds? Yes, at the end. It's got Lena Headey in it. It's got the chick who's Juno's friend in oh. Juno. Oh, is this a remake? Is it new? Um, I think it's a remake. Um, but it, it is, like, really fever dreamy. There's a lot of slow-mo, like, high-def slow-mo to the point of, like, um, uncomfortability. <laughs> uh, it's just, like, really, really clear and defined. And there's it's grotesque. There's a lot of blood and stuff like that. But it's just, like, a really interesting story. And it's, like, set in some kind of world where there's, like, multiple levels. And there's, I don't know. It's yeah. crazy. Um, okay. That's what I recommend. Cool. Yeah. Tune in next week where I explain to Kayleen and Courtney the entire plot of a childhood favorite of mine, The Mists of Avalon. Put your nerdy caps on. (laughs) We're going back to Camelot, friends. It's going to be great. (laughs) Do you know what what year this movie is? I don't know. I'm betting there's a scene where a guy without a shirt is, like, bathing in a waterfall. (laughs) (laughs) As far as I can remember, that might be... Accurate. Or it's like one of those like white, loose, pirate-looking shirts, but still in a waterfall. <laughs> yeah. It's really about the women. It's, uh, um, they're, it's yeah, about... Yeah, he's eye candy for them. <laughs> <laughs> he's the Chris Pine. Got... He's the, the beguiled uh, Colin yes. <laughs> It's a lot, you guys. It's gonna be cool. You're gonna love it. Well, hear ye, hear ye. 
Catch us on the flip side. Next week.